We're here, we're live, ready to go, Sports Attention Podcast, live here from the Robert Allenby Studios potty, we are back. We are back, we are live, and we are doing what we do best. We are back from the future. Back from the future. Yes. And it so, turns out we're uh, no Nostradamus, mate. No. <laughs> yeah, we were poor. But I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, so, yes, no disclosures at the start of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. This is us. This is the real deal. So, without further ado, potty, should we get into the podcast? Let's make it happen. Body, we're here, we're live, we're back. We are rolling, we are rolling. It's a big show, virtually. Uh, it, it's been a couple of weeks, mate, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, it, it really has. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, I was away last week, but um, yeah, I'm back here. I'm going to leave that in the past and we're going to trudge on forward. Let's do it. And uh, I think we should jump straight into what has caught our eye, mate. What has caught your eye? Well, mate, there's been um, a situation on a plane flying from Atlanta to Barcelona, mate. Did you catch Atlanta, that? Atlanta, so Atlanta, USA to Barcelona. I believe so, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, a passenger, they have had a fairly severe and violent case of diarrhoea mm. and the plane has been forced to turn back. And turn back, turn back and oh, land because gee, I can imagine they would have been spray painting the walls. They have, mate, and literally there is a mess all down the aisle. Oh no! So, and you know, a situation like this, you might, um, you might, you know, get a bit of a chuckle on. I felt for the person. Have you ever been crook on a plane, mate? I haven't, mate. No, oh, I've, I've generally. Mate. I mean, I hate flying. My yeah. wife will attest to that. Yeah, I mean, something about being in, uh, you know. 60-ton cylinder floating above the air, you know, doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, mate, anyway. I don't love it either, but I've been crook on a plane, mate. And <laughs> you, you'll you be able to um, relate to this. There is nowhere to go. You oh. are just in all sorts of bother. Mm. And uh, I just feel for this this person, they have been crook, crook, crook. I, I somewhat believe that turbulence is driven by a bloke needing to take a slash in a boat, in an aeroplane <laughs> toilet because seriously every time I've had to go and I'm standing out mate yeah you just hear a little pocket of turbulence and then oi, <laughs> Bit of a spray. Second, hold a second yes. <laughs> it certainly tests out your core strength and balance does mm, it not yes it does and for some it looks like uh, you know they've just put their thumb over the top of the hose it's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, uh, that's not restricted to planes. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately not. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Oh, mate. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, you know, really, really sad for that individual and for the people on that flight. hope you get well soon. I have heard stories, though, if you have been sick. Say, for example, if you're on landing and you are in the toilet facilities, I believe you have to sign a waiver. Mm. I could be, I could be, this could be complete bro science and incorrect, but I, of the understanding that if you are sick and obviously, cause you need to be seated, have your seatbelt on and prepared for landing. If you do have to remain in the toilet, apparently you've got to sign a waiver. They slide it under the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah there you go. Right, could be lying. 
Well, you know. <laughs> What's caught your eye, mate? Um, American basketball fans, mate, they're an interesting bunch, aren't they? Mm. You know, I mean, they expect the best, as you would, because, you know, ideally you've got some of the best players competing for your nation. Mm. But... Um, you know, I was really taken aback by American basketball fans realising um, in an abrupt manner over the last couple of weeks that the world extends beyond Hawaii and the Jersey Shore because they have learnt a few history lessons about the world around them. Um, have you heard about the controversy of the New Zealand basketball team's name, the Tall Blacks? Yep, yep. So they've cottoned onto it and, uh, you know, this has been reported in the New Zealand Herald that many American fans' reactions to the name took place uh, and they were negative reactions took place after uh, the governing body FIBA posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, highlighting the Tall Blacks, how they'd caught fire. Now... I mean, there may be a little bit of uh, intergenerational trauma around the learnings of uh, tall blacks and, and catching fire, and it might have connected a few things about uh, some atrocities that have occurred in history. But, um, yeah, they jumped all over it, and they were like, oh, how, do you, how could they possibly call a team that? <laughs> Not really considering the fact that it is, as we've discussed previously on the podcast, it is just a, a good old-fashioned... You know, play on words for the All Blacks, the All Whites and all the other New Zealand representative teams. Similar, exactly. Similar to what we do with the Socceroos. The Socceroos, Jillaroos, Hockeyroos, Kangaroos yep. and the like. And the like. The Opals. Yeah. I mean, we're... we're <laughs> <laughs> Just threw another one out there. Opals and Boomers. Yeah. You know? Glad you went to that because I was out of ruse there. <laughs> I didn't have any more in me. <laughs> So, um, yeah, obviously they've all jumped out of there and, and it's really fascinating, isn't it, the world we live in and um, you see it a lot in, in social media-driven sort of, um, you know, ideologies that are going around about, oh, you can and can't say this, you can and can't do that and it's like, well, there is a big wide world out there with different ideas and different opinions. Um you know, I, I think I, I found it, especially when it come with basketball, remember Brittany Griner yep. when she got arrested for having a little vape pen? Yep. And it was like people like, oh, this is outrageous. Marijuana is legal in most states. Mm. It's like, yes, but people still get hung for it in Singapore. Yeah. Like there is a massive world out there that is around us that, you know, we all don't sing from the same hymn sheet. That's right. That's right, mate. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting, um, you know, so – it became pretty clear that anyone with a brain understands that, you know, this had nothing to do with race or an abhorrent treatment of people that has occurred around the world. Um, it's just that cancel culture mindset, isn't it? Yeah. You know, just that, oh, the new millennium, you know, it's, you know, the and the crazy thought that changing a name will make a difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like an example of that is currently being played out in the NFL. Mm. So Washington, obviously formerly known as the Washington Redskins. Yep. Um, they had their two seasons as the Washington football team, then they changed it uh, to the Washington Commanders. Yep. They're already discussing how what name they're going to change it to from the Commanders because nobody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that they were called the Commies probably didn't help yeah. them either, <laughs> especially when it comes to Americans. Oh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, but they're already subject to fan pressure and petitioning about changing it, and they've had to come out and deny that they're actually going to go back to the Redskins because that was actually apparently an option. Oh, right. Um, Yeah, which is is pretty interesting. Um, Look, Tall Blacks, stick with it. Don't listen to the Sapos. Got nothing to do with any of that nonsense. Uh, And Kiwis, do well. Go hard. Play hard, play well. Mm. But maybe change the silver ferns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, mate. Lovely. Um, another thing that's caught my eye, mate, uh, Paul Kent. So, Paul Kent, obviously, um, we're not going to get into the, the ins and outs of the, um, of the legalities of, of why he's, his name's been raised on this podcast. But um, apparently, he's been working as a chauffeur or chauffeur, chauffeur yep. um, for a the local chauffeur. funeral home. Yeah, right. So during his suspension for Fox Sports, so both Kent and his partner were arrested in relation to a domestic violence incident on May 12th. So this has been reported in numerous publications. Um, so Fox Sports stood Paul Kent down um, in response to the accusations, um, which is currently going through due process. Um, but the fact is that he's turned up, and this is now a report, that he's been running a few Uber runs with the, uh, with the funeral home. Yep, I don't right. know if it's Uber. I don't know if you can get them on Uber. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it'd be a deadly ride. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, obviously, and I think when it when I was looking at this story, I just went, you know what? I think the story is, and it talked about the the owner of the um, of the business was interviewed about, it and he said, "Oh, look, uh, you know." Mr. Kent just came in. He's got a genuine interest in the business and said, like, look, it could be an option for him. But I think it's just a timely reminder around, you know, professional athletics and media personalities. You know, the people who are in that, I mean, it's a, they're a part of the entertainment business yep. as a part of their job, you know, much the same as music and film. So it's a job and yep. people have got to work. Yeah. You know, so the thought that he's been stood down from Fox Sports and people are like, oh, well, he'd be sitting in his castle somewhere just waiting to come back and tell everybody, you know, his stories. It's like, no, this is the guy's job. Like, yeah. he's, he's got to go and work. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I think sometimes we have to just go, oh, yeah, far out. Like, people have got to go and earn, earn some crust. Mm. You know, so, um, yeah, it was interesting. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, Kenty might be getting into the... Uh, funeral game he could be he could Ooh. be all right mate i reckon he'd have some opinions well i dare say <laughs> <laughs> all good mate well speaking of footy speaking of personalities mate what do you reckon let's jump into the footy absolutely let's do it the rugby league final was a big wembley occasion oh get that in here Here we are, mate. It's finals time. Spring is in the air, mm. and uh, the finals are here. Four matches over the weekend. Uh, the top four teams played each other. Broncos, uh, comprehensive victory over the Storm, 26-0. Mm, the hoodoo's over. The hoodoo is over and just been smashed out of the park. Um, just to run through the rest of the results, Penrith very good as well. Too good for the Warriors, 32-6. to six. Mm. Uh, the Sharks and the – well, that's where the floggings ended for the weekend, mate. Uh, in the bottom four, they were some great matches. Yeah. Uh, the Sharks went down to the Roosters, 13 points to 12. 
and the Raiders went down uh, to the Knights. I think it was was it twenty eight thirty. It was by two points in the end. Uh, the, the sorry, yeah, the Raiders went down to the Knights. So, um, mate, absolutely cracking football, particularly those last couple. Um, my match of the round, I had to give it to the uh, Roosters versus Sharks. Uh, it was um, 30-28 the Raiders uh, were beaten by the Knights. Yeah, 30-20. Producer, you sacked. Dead set. Yeah. You had one job, mate. Come on. You are gone. He's gone. He won't be back next week. He won't be back next week at all. And uh, we'll just get somebody else in to do the job. I mean, how hard is it to punch in a couple of numbers? I mean, the pay's the same. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh... So uh, yeah. They were good games, the last two. The last two were yeah. absolute crackers. Look, the games, it, it was pretty predictable, really. I, I, I predicted that the um, uh, Broncos were going to absolutely put the cleaners through the storm. and um, That was just to keep you in the good books at home. That was, mate. That's, the wife is a very <laughs> big Broncos fan, so I was not, um, not tipping on the other end of that uh, bet. But I, I thought uh, the Sharks and Roosters game was my pick of the round. Um, uh, Sammy Walker coming back in after what's been a tough season, kicking the winning field goal, five minutes to go. Mm. But the big plays came at the end by their leadership that stood up. Tedesco, Kiri, charge downs, absolutely effort plays. Not a hint that they were offside. They were absolute rippers. Yeah. And um, look, at... At the end of the day, the Roosters, I think, got over the line because they got more big game experience. Questions now will be asked over the Sharks and who they are as a premiership um, threat. They've made uh, the finals the last two years in a row. Craig Fitzgibbon's done quite well there, but they're yet to win a finals game under him, zero and three. So I think they've struggled to get over that mid-season hurdle. You know, I think they've, they've looked very sharp both seasons that Fitzgibbon's been at the helm. They've looked very sharp early in the season. They've looked like they've been on a good run of form. They've eventually, last year, did they They were top four last year. Yeah, oh, they, they finished were, yeah. second last year. Look, I'm yeah. going to... Yeah, and gonna, then this season, I think I was expecting them to make the top four again. Yep. But they obviously just run in after that origin period, loss of form. You know, they, they run into a few few poor results. Look, I'm going to jump into this a little bit later, so I won't touch on it too much now. We'll jump into your match of the round, Grego. But, um, yeah, the Sharks and um, where I think things might have gone wrong for them. Yeah, uh, look, my match of the round's got to be the Raiders and the Knights. Um, I mean, dead set. It was an undulating experience watching that yesterday. Like, yeah. I mean, if I was a Raiders fan, though, like, I'm going to put it out there. There's, this is obviously pure opinion, but they would have to be the worst team I have ever seen play extra time rugby league in the oh. history of rugby league. Go back to 1908 and the beginnings of the competition. Yeah, I saw them play against the Dolphins earlier in the year where they couldn't organise anything no. to try and tie that game away. You swear the, they're not doing. They're not doing run-throughs at training, would you? Oh, they are just all mate. over the place. I, and I, I don't want to be unfair to, say, Jamal Fogarty, who was involved in both of those matches and you would think as the halfback, you know, that's sort of his role. I think Jack White probably plays a bit more of a role. Well, he did in – he was playing at six against the Dolphins earlier in the year. I believe that was down in Wagga. Yep. Um, but the fact that they haven't been able to set up for a field goal – in any of that period of extra time, 
I, I'm, it just leaves me gobsmacked. To be honest with you, you, you're playing a, f- and it's not, it wasn't golden point. No, but I mean, in extra time, every point is golden. Yeah. So you get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I know it's quite hard to think that you know, and you could question whether the opportunities were there, especially when they had a scrum ten meters out from their line. You know, I, you, you could, you know, think that. Oh, yeah, it's probably a bit difficult. That's not where you want to be, is it? I mean, 10 metres out from your line, just setting someone back to take a field goal. Yeah, I mean, that would be too smart. Mm. Um, but I think even that first set, getting through, getting in a position and then putting, like playing possession football in extra time, like what are we doing? Like, And Ricky Stewart's no fool. Like Ricky Stewart is one of the best halfbacks to ever play the game. Like surely he would be co- a Ricky Stewart coach side would know how to set up to finish a game off. You get the point and you defend the game. Yeah. I mean, Sam Walker kicked the field goal seven minutes before full-time against the Cronulla Sharks the night before. Yeah. And they defended it out. Yeah. It, oh, it, it must be frustrating for someone like Ricky, um, as you mentioned, water halfback, water player. And very powerful voice and, you know, I'm sure when he was out in the field, he didn't mind telling anyone exactly where they had to go and exactly where Mm. they had to be and if they didn't get it right, he'd give them a spray right there and then that just, you know, that's how I picture Ricky being out on the field. Uh, But, yeah, like I I guess they just lose their head a bit. All right, I want you to work to the left post and then someone makes a half little break or makes a yard more than they thought and then they start putting some footwork. Next thing you know, they're three metres away from where they were meant to be and they've got to do another play to get back to it. It's just, it comes down to maybe a lack of leadership or a lack of discipline or a lack of voice out there. But, mm. geez, it must be frustrating for fans and and particularly for Ricky. Yeah. I mean, a crossfield kick. Weak. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Conversation's over. They are. It was ridiculous. Like, and you know, I want to, and I I don't want to throw, you know, everything at Fogarty, but I mean, Whitehead, he's the captain, and I will never forget the spray that he gave them against the Dolphins in Wagga. Like, he was filthy when they weren't setting up for the field goal. And he's a second (laughs) rower. He is. He is. And he's given them a spray. Yes, he's the captain, but he's a second rower, and he knows what is required of, of the, you know, the conductors of his attack. Mm. So, yeah. But anyway, it's I, it's cost them a chance. It has, like, mate. I, I, mean, I, I thought Newcastle would do them quite comprehensively, but oh, it was a weird match, that one for me, mate. At times the Raiders were brilliant, and at times they were absolutely horrible. And the same could be said about the Knights. I thought the Knights with 20 minutes to go were going to, you know, end up beating them by 30, and then they just you know, switched off and next yeah. thing you know, it's it's back to even Stevens and some some incredible tries and some incredibly soft tries. But that being said, the Raiders are gone. The Sharks are gone for the year. The Broncos and um, Panthers now straight through to a prelim. And, uh, you know, I think most people would agree with me. They're, they're, they're the favourites to be matching up in the grand final and should yeah, be a I cracking so. game. Uh, this week, the... Um, You'll see the Storm play, um, I believe they will play Storm, the, the, Roosters. the Roosters and the Warriors will be playing the, the Knights over in uh, in in New Zealand. New Zealand, uh, mate, in so, Mount Smart. Yeah, should be a couple of absolute um, cracking games there. I um, 
Sean Johnson being back, don't know if that's going to happen, but if that's that They're being needs, very coy. That needs to happen. Obviously, the Knights are going to be without. Um, oh well, I don't know if they're going to be without. But you'd have to think there are a chance of being without. Uh, halfback, I oh, just jumped oh, down. Tyson my head. Gamble. Oh no, no Jackson Hastings. Jackson sorry. Hastings. Sorry, yeah, jumped Tyson down Gamble my head. Played this, the game out. He came back in um, a little bit early from an ankle injury. Obviously, do or die football, and he went off the other day. Looks in a bad way. I, I can't see how he's going to play. Mm. So um, it's going to take a special performance from KP. And uh, Tyson Gamble's the he's exactly the play they need at the moment. He's someone who um, they might be missing a bit of pure class in the half, so they need someone who's going to, you know, fight over everything, a dog with a bone sort of thing. And, and uh, he certainly can do that and a talented footballer as well. Some discussion points from um, the weekend, mate, and uh, moving forward. Jeez, didn't everyone feel for Ryan Pappenhausen? Oh, I think so, yeah. yeah. There's um, yeah, there's not much more that can be said. I think the the whole I, – I jumped on uh, on the socials just to have a sort of squeeze at the feeling. I actually wanted to get a look at it because I missed the, the tackle incident. Um, I just sort of walked out of the room and come back in and he was down. Um, yeah, I mean – You know it's grisly when they're not showing the replay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it's also too. Um, I, you know, he's he's come back from such a significant injury in his patella. It's not the same place, which is a positive. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a, and the knee versus the ankle, but he was looking really, really good. Oh yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So if you're getting him into the rehab room from that, you're going look. You know. Look at how you came back from the devastating injury that you had before, which, you know, people were, you know, the, the reports coming out from the, the damage of his patella oh, yeah. and his kneecap, um, you know, the bone within that a- area was, you know, horrific. And he's, and he's come back the way he has. I mean, there's nothing to say that he won't come back just as good, if not better, from this one. And secondary reports, uh, obviously um, the reports at the time were, a suggested compound fracture and everyone's minds have straight away gone to Jarrell, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what happened to Jarrell all those years ago now and how it finished his career. Um, but the re- secondary reports coming out was it wasn't a compound fracture, was a uh, uh, a broken uh, broken ankle and a um, dislocation, but surgery's been had now. Mm. And you have seen players come back from this type yeah. of injury before. The, the ankle is a very complex joint. Okay, um, so for those at home, like Jarrell Yao Yi, that was horrific. Yeah, like that was a compound. Yeah, fracture. that was a compound fracture, but that was the the position of the fracture, the fact that it was a compound fracture, like that was a horrific injury, mm. you know, and you know, depending on yeah, and like I said, the complexity of the ankle joint, depending on where the fractures are, is going to depend on your recovery. Yep. It is going to determine your recovery. Sorry. You know, and the significance of that, and the future that you know the the future path of your of your ankle and re- rehabilitation is going to be dependent on where it's actually broken. You know, that's going to you know determine whether you've got limitations in movement, whether there is additional rehabs or surgeries that need to occur to try and maximise the mobility of that joint when you do. So you know, without the knowledge of of where the injury has occurred and, and what it looks like. I mean, it's very, very hard to write things like that off or also to come to conclusions on them. 
And hopefully he's all right. There were a few um, suggestions that he might even be back training after Christmas in, into the preseason. Mm. Round one isn't out of the world of possibility. So let's hope that's the case for Pappenhausen because the, the poor fella, since the 2020 grand final, he's had a rough drop between knee injuries, concussions, more knee injuries, and now this um, devastating ankle injury. So, Look, if I was Pappenhausen, and I know this is completely unethical, but just Go to Thailand, mate. Yep. Go to Thailand for six months. Have a break. And just, yeah, come back and, you know, yeah, you might be quite saucy. Yeah. You might be, you might be big. You might be buff. But, yeah, go and get that ankle right. Get it right, mate. <laughs> All right, mate. So um, I've, I've chucked down a couple of points and, and – and two of them sort of link together, so I'll, I'll leave um, I'll leave those two for uh, the last point we go through. But um, all's not well at South Sydney, mate. It doesn't appear so, mate. So, what's your thoughts on that? It was almost like our Back to the Future podcast came true mm. because they didn't make the finals, no. which you know was a surprise, but we got that right, even though we're trying to take the piss. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, from what I'm hearing, oh, Joel, no, we're legit. Yeah, I'm from what I'm hearing, Joel Monaghan didn't turn up to Mad yeah, Monday. Oh well, okay, so the dogs were okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, Jason Taylor did try and karate chop David Falongo back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's not deviate from that. That is truth. Um, yeah, it, it appears it's it's odd, isn't it? Like, I mean. Three months ago, everyone was lauding the signing of Jack White and, yep. and saying that the South, really, their premiership window is opening for next season. But, I mean, far out. The the wheels are falling well off the wagon if you were to believe all reports in the media. It's, it's huge, a huge um, off-season for South. And, and honestly, they just want to get themselves out of the headlines. They want to get away from football at the moment because mm. you just can't print a good word about them. And... Um, you know, we've got a couple of good mates uh, who we work with who are South fans and they're hearing all sorts of whispers from their, you know, their inner networks, aren't they, that things just aren't right. So, mm. um, yeah, look, know. I mean, they had bring a dog to work day. They did. What could they do now? Oh. <laughs> what, what could you possibly do now? Like, oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, I don't know. Um, come dressed as your favourite Russell Crowe character. <laughs> oh, mate. That'll keep the boss happy. That would keep the boss happy, mate. Yes. Oh, I'll tell you what. He's had a few good ones. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I we, mean, can't, we can't all be gladiator. Yes. Well, I could see Jairo turning up as Romper Stomper. <laughs> Oh, oh yes, with his pit bull on a chain. Oh, yep. So interesting times for South, and um, I guess we'll see what happens. Now, mate, I've taken the reins here, and I've got a got a bit of an issue. I thought we'd bring up, and um, it sort of links to uh, the final series this year and, and the Sharks and, and the Raiders. So the Sharks are they flat track bullies? Can't win when it really counts. So I don't have the stats in front of me, but their record over the last five years against top eight teams is absolutely atrocious. Mm. They are very good at beating teams outside the eight, but very, very poor at beating teams inside the eight. So that's a real problem for them, not just in the finals, but throughout the course of the year. Mm. But they keep making the finals, which suggests to me that their draw is quite soft year after year. 
Mm. I would also suggest that that same thing could be said about the Canberra Raiders this year. Love Ricky. I know he'd be hating on me for saying this, mm. but I'm going to take you through a little bit if we can. And how do we fix a draw? So my example, uh, how do we Well, fi- the idea is for the draw not to be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. Got me. <laughs> I mean, they were just clarifying, that's all. Yep. Oh, we are of nothing honest and like clarity here at the sports detention. So, I mean, a few ways that you could fix the draw we've touched on. We won't jump into it too much, but, you know, leave origin to the post-series. An idea that I sort of have is the toughness of um, your draw should be based on your position from the previous season. So, for example, Penrith winning the competition – leading the competition, winning the minor premiership this year should have – the toughest draw at the beginning of next year in West Tigers, back-to-back wooden spoons, should have, at least on paper, mm. the simplest draw or the easiest draw. My battery is about to run out of my computer, so I'm going to run through. <laughs> <laughs> so, Canberra have made Producer, back-to-back. you've done it again. Done it again. Two Cam- sackable offences today. Canberra have won, um, uh, have made the finals in eighth position in back-to-back years. So let me take you through Canberra this year. They had a points differential of minus 137 points. Uh, That's the fourth fourth worst in the competition. And the worst points diff uh, to have a winning record in NRL history. So they won more matches than they lost, but that is the worst points differential for any team that has done that in history. Uh, The Raiders ended last season... Uh, in the second week of the finals, which essentially meant they finished fifth or sixth. They were then given what was ranked by many media outlets as the softest draw for the 2023 season. This included only playing eight of their 24 matches against top eight teams from the previous uh, season, for so from the 2022 season. That also meant they played 16 matches against teams from the bottom eight of last year's draw many of whom were still in the bottom eight this year. In fact, the only team of note they played twice, that's from the top eight last year, was the Sharks. And if we're being serious, I don't think you would consider them to be Penrith, Melbourne or the Roosters at the beginning of the year. Alternatively, the West Tigers, who finished last last year, and by a long way, were given what was considered to be the fourth hardest draw in the competition. This included playing 12 games against top eight teams from last year. Playing them... uh, um, 12 games against top eight teams and playing four of them twice, mm. including tough road trips to Townsville, Canberra and Melbourne. They were set up to fail from from the very start, mate. And Cowboys, Canberra, Cronulla, teams like that are given certain advantages. Like they are in most seasons, in my opinion, and I understand that's only my opinion. Mm. The way I see the NRL is robbing fans on two fronts. Number one, they are serving up more pain for long-serving fans like West Tigers fans as they have their backs against the wall before a ball's even kicked and they're going to find it challenging to be able to attract players because they're consistently finishing in this um, bottom four of the competition. Mm. And they're also robbing fans of potential blockbusters and surely the game needs to do better on this front because the more the better the game, the more you can sell it for. Yeah, so, I mean, calling for changes around this at this current time, um, 
what would you say, for example, if we said, look, we've got a remedy for it next season, we can run that through. Yep. Or we came to yourself and said, look, hold your horses, give us six years, and we're going to have 20 teams and we're going to have a four or five team conferences. And you basically play everyone in your conference twice. Um, then you play everyone in your league, so your half twice, and then you pick up a rotation of every other team in the opposite um, league or zone. You know, you don't have to do it in terms of geography, as they do in the US sports. You could just basically call it the Wally Lewis you know, conference mm. or the Mal Meninga conference or whatever. You can, you can mix and match it where you feel as though. But the idea would be having the demographic of teams within your conference that are your rival teams. Yeah. So they're the, you know, they're the matches that are going to put the lead in the pencil of the fans, you know, that they're going to get up for. So you would think about possibly you could have a, a Western Sydney-style conference where you've got the Panthers, Parramatta, Bulldogs, West Tigers. Yep. You know, there's your five teams. Was that five? Yeah, it was. Yep. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> Panthers, uh, Parramatta, West Tigers, Canterbury. No, no, we're one short. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll throw Manly in there. Chuck in Manly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so an idea there where you could, you know, or you could bring in who's going to compete. You could probably even drag Canberra up into that. Yeah. Because, you know, Penrith and Canberra have got a good rivalry around the grand finals of the 80s. Um, Parramatta and Canterbury have got that obviously traditional rivalry as well where they're tied into the same conference. Penrith, Parramatta are in there as well. So you're going to make it work and mesh it how it's going to best work. Obviously, you're going to have Melbourne and the Warriors in the same conference because they've got a bit of an ongoing rivalry and you might have that issue where you're going to have, you know, or even a Sydney versus external sort of any way that it would work. But the fact is that you would have five teams within each division. So say, for example, we go to 20 teams. Yep. Yeah, Perth comes in, another one, maybe another Brisbane side or somewhere up there. You get your 20 teams. So you've basically, um, so what are we going? So we've got, they're talking another Brisbane team that'll take us to 18 teams. So yep. then you're talking two more. So you're going Perth and then, I mean, where do we go? Do we go a second team in New Zealand or, you know, are we looking at the Central Coast? Are we, you know, I'm sure there's going to be no shortage of takers. Yeah. So you've got those options there. Uh, you could go Central Queensland as well. There's a bit of a bit of hunger for it up there. So you end up with 20 teams, you've got four divisions of five. And basically your divisional structure then sets out who's going to compete for the finals. So your top two in each division qualify for the finals, there's your top eight. You're then playing both teams, uh, your team in your division, twice guaranteed, mm. no negotiation. Same way so, they do in the NFL. Absolutely. So yes, you're going to run into those seasons where you might get a light draw because everyone else in your division is shit. Yep. But it doesn't matter because you still got to get to the finals and beat the teams in the finals. A la the Sharks. Yep. The Sharks can have a creamy run. They get to the finals and they realise, oh, we can't beat anyone in the top eight. Yep. You know, it, it all comes out at the end of, you know, when you, you know, you crack the eggs, you bake the omelette, you know. If you burn the omelette or, you know, the eggs are no good, you're going you're gonna to work it out pretty quick when you take your first bite. So the Sharks and that example of, yeah, it doesn't really, you can't determine the draw because it's basically, it's heavily based on the fact that it's around your division and then you have the 
additional rotation of those who are outside your division or outside your conference mm. that you would just rotate in on a you know three to five year cycle yeah so I, I think that's probably somewhere where the NRL will go anyway. I think that's in the grand scheme of things down the track. It's where obviously a few teams away from that being reality or what they could run with because you, you want it to work when you yep. implement it. Um, yeah, but it obviously doesn't address the issues that we see today. Yeah. But I think that's probably where we're going down the future. Yeah, I don't mind the idea of conferences. Um, it's... It needs to be a few years off because uh, we've seen with Redcliffe coming in over the past 12 months, while they've had a, a really great start to the year, their depth is an issue. So mm. if you were to bring in another team next year and then another team the year after, another team in the year after, we're going to end up with all sorts of um, problems as far as player talent and um, being able to spread that talent out equally. So it does need to be a long-term plan. Uh, yeah, I, I just think um, in the short term, the NRL could probably do better. Mm. from the point of view of looking after certain teams, um, more spread, spreading the joy a little bit as far as... Um, as far as... Uh, or the misery. The misery, Depend- Depending yeah. on what what team you're and, playing and how your team's travelling. You know, I am looking after the poor old Tigers fans uh, listening here as well. We've stunk the... We suck sunk the boot into them a couple of times this year because of what's going on mm. on and off the field over there. But when you do read that information that I've given you before and you see how tough their draw is where they finished last year and how someone's draws a fair bit easier and they finished a long way up the ladder, mm. you're sitting there, you must be sitting there as a fan going, oh, hang on, how yeah. were we ever going to be able to 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 achieve, you know, we, we, our backs were against the wall pushing shit up a hill from day one. Yeah, and you're trying to dig yourself out of that hole which makes things, compounds issues. Yeah, well. that's right. Who's, who's sitting there in the yeah. off-season now thinking, oh, West Tigers, that's where I want to be? You know, mm. well, not Papa Lee and um, Tim Sheens. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Anyway, mate, that was my little uh, point I wanted to bring up. I, I know it's not an easy fix, but something that probably the NRL could have a little bit yeah. of a look at. Yeah, and I look, mate, I, I advocate for the conferencing, the conferencing and divisional systems. And I think, you know, you talk about robbing the fans of potential blockbusters. I think that gives the fans the blockbusters, mm. especially you think last season, you know, Penrith and Parramatta ended up in the grand final. Imagine if they were competing in the division, you know, you, you guaranteed those matches. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and you've got uh, the emphasis on those results as well. So, yep. Mm. I like it, mate. I like it. Yeah, righty mate. Stream. Stream of the week, mate. mate I was away. I was yep. away all last week. Um, however, I did a little bit of a cheeky, mate. Yep. I got on the old Netflix download. Oh, yeah, happy days. So when I'm off in the wilderness, no reception, I was able to tuck into my swag and bury my head under the sleeping bag with a nice bit of untold documentary johnny manzel mate johnny I manzel. It. have you watched it mate i haven't watched it it's an absolute ripper yep. okay so my job now is to actually you know get you fired up to go home and watch it um johnny manzel what do you know about johnny manzel mate you're a bit of a football fan yeah so i've seen the um uh highlights of this like uh, the trailer should i say yeah. for, for this so uh the the prodigy um, going to be a huge star, Johnny Manziel, was he not? Yeah, so he was obviously college football superstar. Yep. You know, coming out of Texas A&M. He, um, I mean, his nickname was Johnny Football. Yeah. Like, you you know, 
that's like calling, you know, I don't know, John Farnham, like John Rock and Roll for Australia. Yeah. You know, like it's basically you are football for college football fans. Um, and no, I'm not announcing that John Farnham's going on another tour. Okay, I think he's done now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, so he basically was a college superstar, um, very, very... Very loose, you know, basically just run his own race. The coach, he had he had the best system at the time that facilitated his wild nature and the fact that he would basically be out in the piss, turn up, play football, be successful, and they're like, well, if it works, yep. we'll roll with it. Um, when you get to the NFL, that doesn't work. No, no. Um, yeah, so basically, and the NFL scouts – and those who are making the draft picks, they do their homework as well. Mm. They ain't mucking around. Um, so eventually, you know, for those who, who may know a fair bit about the football, you know, he, he got drafted, um, but it didn't work out for him. You know, he didn't watch film. He didn't do the extras that is yeah. expected of you at the highest level, you know. He would turn up and he would play football at college and you know, he was all good. But when So basically... I mean, not to this level. You're saying that he rocked up at college and he just, oh, yeah, this is what I see. And yeah. yeah. Just played what was in front of him. Yeah. In the NFL, um, there's probably about 50 different defensive coordinators who are shutting down what is in front of you. Yeah. And you can't play what's in front of you. Yeah. So, yeah, he basically had no work ethic in terms of, you know, football style. Um, so when he got, you know, NFL scouts got wind of that, he swiftly fell down the pecking order. He won a Heisman Trophy as a freshman. Yeah, wow. Well. You know, which is the highest honour of college football. You know, you look at the list of some of the Heisman Trophy winners. It's star-studded. Yeah. He won it as a freshman, as a quarterback at Texas A&M. Yeah. The college made close to a billion dollars in revenue on the back of his time at Texas A&M. Yeah, wow. Well. Johnny Manziel was a student athlete. Yeah. So... <laughs> However, that's where the story gets interesting because Johnny finds a little way around. And I remember it was so funny. I was just watching this. I'm going, holy shit. Like, I get it now. Like, I, I didn't know. So there was always this thing you, about, and they were talking about his work ethic and the fact that, oh, they think he's a bit lazy, and which he was. Like, he wasn't so, well, I wouldn't say lazy, but he was. He was somebody who wasn't your traditional all-in professional at college, which was going to transition straight to the pros. He wasn't that guy. And everybody said, oh, well, the issue is is because he comes from money. And had had you heard that rumour before? He comes from money? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Apparently he doesn't come from money. He doesn't come. It was a lie that was made up to justify why he was walking around with shitloads of cash and doing Instagram posts and that because he was selling his autograph. <laughs> so he had a little side hustle with his best mate where he was flying into Miami on a private jet doing a range of signings for 30 grand a pop and then flying back to Texas. So the only way that they could justify it was his mate came up with this ingenious idea to say that he was from oil money. <laughs> That's a cracker. <laughs> so everybody was just like, oh, he's from Oil Buddy. That's why he's floating all this cash. Oh, yeah, that's why he's a wild child. That makes sense. <laughs> and then 
once you know you go into the draft and you're going into the the pool and the the pro day and and clubs start digging a little deeper and I mean NFL organisations they're better than the CIA yeah they want to know what they're investing in they automatically cottoned on to what was going on yeah they didn't report it to the NCAA I mean there was investigations around it but they were you know he was cleared of those sorts of issues. I got a small suspension. Yeah. You know, it was nothing. Um, but they couldn't come up with any sort of hard evidence on him. But the NFL teams all knew what was going on. So anyway, basically he gets the NFL, he cuts his mate, cuts him off like nothing. Best mate just goes, look. We're done. You, you know, you use goods now. I, I can't go after this NFL career if – you know, you're the. You know, you've got all the evidence. You're the one who made up the lie about us being from money and this. So he just basically sliced him off, and it was a real. It was really sad. Yeah, you're watching it, but anyway, but the whole documentary and it, it's really great. If you go and check it out, it really opens your eyes to that. You know, to that abuse really of you know students in terms of their ability to generate income for colleges, their ability, whether it be merchandising, whether it be like he essentially the money that he generated built Texas A&M a new stadium. Yeah, wow. You know, and also too the fact that people want to go there and be at the college because Johnny Football and the football team are great. Yeah. You know, so the the financial impact of people or students making the decision to attend the college is also there as well. So it's a fascinating documentary. Uh, I encourage anybody to go and check it out. It's it's absolute pisser. Like it's just the stuff he used to get up to and also to just those ins and outs. That, like I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, yeah, I thought he was for money. But then when his <laughs> mate just goes, no, we just made that up because we were ripping, you know, the NCAA off and we were trying to, you know, ensure we didn't get caught for going and doing all these signing gigs. But when you think about it now, how crazy is it as to how much money he was making? He was making $30,000 an appearance. So just to fly in and sign a range of stuff, 30 grand every time he did it. Yeah. How much money were they making off his autograph? Oh, yeah. You know, there's a profit in there for them as well. Like they're, they're paying him, you know, chump change to get his autograph. Yeah. Like it's crazy to think that he was... You know, his image, his likeness, everything was just, you know, auctioned off and he couldn't make a dime from it. Wow. Mm. That is, wow, what a story. Yeah, you, you've sold me on it, mate. Yeah, but anyway, I, I would encourage you guys, go and check it out. Um, yeah, and I was obviously not not in the know about Johnny Manziel. He didn't sign for the Seattle Seahawks, so I wasn't overly interested in his story when he was in the league. I'd obviously heard about the controversies and the like, but when you hear and watch this documentary, it really does, you know, change views on him and you just go, oh, man, you, you get it. Like, yep. you know, he, he, he should well and truly be pretty bitter about his time as a college football player. Yeah. You know? Um, but anyway, he should be set for life, yeah. but he's not. He's not. You know, he made, yeah, he had some time in the NFL, but yeah, I mean, make a movie. He's going to, he's got to make a movie or something. Oh, he yeah. probably will as well. Yeah. So good luck to you, Johnny. Yep. But uh, yeah, an absolute ripper, guys. Go and check it out. The Johnny Menzel documentary, Johnny Football on Untold Series. They're, they're, they've dropped some heat lately. Um, I mean, the, the Florida. Um, Swamp King. Oh, mate, that's that's on our to-do list, mate. Yeah. We'll get into that next time.
All right, guys. Check it out. Johnny yep. Manziel documentary. Beautiful. Beautiful. Football, mate. Football, mate. Let's make that happen. Let's get into it. That's the integrity report. We won't do that. We'll get into the football, eh? Yeah. <laughs> right here, mate. Football talk. What do we got? Let's get amongst it, mate. So, uh, the international break, Gregor. International break, yep. yep. Rubbish. Rubbish. Had enough. <sighs> Should we welcome our guests? Absolutely, I think so. Yep. Cozzy, Berta, how are we? Cozzy? Good. I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> oh. I'm good, Gregor. I'm sorry, I was just waiting for the illustrious Mark Hoster to cut in there. No, mate, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, like you said, super excited about the, uh, the international break, but... Luckily enough, that coincides with the start of NFL season, so I haven't had to be too bored. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll cover that a bit more later on in the podcast. Certainly will, certainly will. And Cosy, how are yeah, you, mate? Oh, yeah, thanks, buddy. Just thanks for having me on again. I'm going well. I, I've um, yeah been able to watch a little bit of football over the weekend, and looking back to the weekend before as well, I'm really keen to talk about that, as you could imagine, so... Um, I'm really excited about getting into it. And as you can tell by our pause at the beginning, we're really getting used to this podcast and stuff. So yeah. Well, is it... Going well. Was there football matches the weekend before last, was there? A couple, apparently. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, long time ago now. Well, boys, it's a pleasure to have you on. And, and it's been demanded that the listeners, they... they Absolutely, must have more of Cozzy and Berta in that right, Gregor. Mm. Absolutely, I hear about it all the time. Uh, I've spoken numerous occasions about the spike in ratings that has occurred since uh, these guys have contributed to the show. So, I mean, they might be here for a long time, not That's a good it. time. That's exactly right, mate. That's exactly right. Um. So- for our listeners out there, that, that's our form of payment, isn't it? Because we don't get paid for doing this, but we just get a bit of smoke blowed up our nether region. Yeah, mate. We're, yeah. we're like the NCAA, mate. You're considered <laughs> student athletes to us. <laughs> Michael Orr. If you know, you know. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, the international break, and I, I potty alluded to it before. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the international break, guys? So, yeah. sorry, you go, sorry. mate. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think, like, how many how many genuine sporting competitions in the world would, would start for, for three weeks and, and then stop to have, to have uh, like, meaningless, meaningless games? I mean, it just seems like it's almost a tease that they start us with the three weeks and then we have to stop. It's also a big potential for our star players to go and get injured. Mm. I mean, that's, and, and we can do nothing about it because the transfer window is shut. Like, for example, you know, Liverpool lose a centre back at, in, the, in the Euros and then we're, we're, shit up, we're up shit creek because we have no chance to go and, and, and purchase in the market. Yeah, I mean, that's, that alludes to an, a further point is the fact that 
the international break just bounces straight off the back of the closing of the transfer window. So you've got your squad, you've basically, f- there's nothing you can do about it for the next few months at least. And instead of coming in and, and trying to embed that squad and get them together, you're sending them off to all corners of the globe for an internationals. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hopeless romantic. Um, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, the travels and the the, the teams moving away and travelling overseas. I mean, who, who doesn't love, you know, like North Macedonia having a one-all draw with Italy or um, Kazakhstan, <laughs> you know, the, the, might, the might of Kazakhstan overcoming the battlers from Northern Ireland. Like, it, it's just I'm a hopeless romantic when it comes to that sort of stuff. Mate, I was on my toes then. I thought you were going to drop some more knowledge on us. Uh, uh, teams like North South United that you, uh, I mean, I've had people left, right and centre asking me, who are North South United? Well, you know, like the merchandise might come out soon. That could be, an, uh, you know, a revenue for some um, some monies coming into the podcast. You know, get your North South United shirts on. Well, popular. I mean, they sound like a club that's prepared for any league, whether it be <laughs> North or South. <laughs> Oh, beautiful, beautiful. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, from my perspective, I, I it really annoys me, the, the international break this close to the start of the season. I mean, the the thing that rubs salt in the wounds is, you know, basically players are spend, you know, the initial part of the off-season or the pre-season playing that, you know, the Nations League and, and shitty tournaments like that, which, you know, make absolutely no sense. And they're just a, you know, a way of FIFA keeping themselves relevant and trying to churn over international matches. I, I, Yeah, I can't see... Something's going to have to give in the future. And I, I don't see where or which organisation is going to be willing to give, whether it be the Premier League, whether it be UEFA, whether it be FIFA. Yeah, they all want their cut of the pie, don't they? they you know, they're all making money for their respective organisations. I think it's really hard when players go away for their national countries and come back injured and things like that. I, I believe there is a compensation scheme, but it's, it's nowhere near, you know, what, what the, what they're missing out on if they lose a player for weeks or months after that. And it's a bit of a risk, you know, they're, they're, you've, I've heard stories about players, you know, deliberately failing medicals and things like that. Mm. Um, you oh, know, just definitely. so they don't have to travel. So that's, that's, that's one of the things. Yeah, and I, and I suppose too, like there's obviously your, your national sides want to get, you know, matches and repetitions into, to, you know, build up team cohesion and the like. But, you know, often you see such wholesale changes in between breaks that I, I don't think you could use that as an argument. Do you mean wholesale changes in the international team that are playing? Yeah, just in terms yeah. of the players playing. I mean, one consistency for England is obviously that, you know, Harry Maguire still seems to be getting picked even though he hasn't played a minute, or I think he's played 20 minutes, sorry. But, um, yeah. you know, so those players might get a, a decent run for England, but, you know, I yeah, I... Yeah, it doesn't make sense this early in the season. I can see maybe mid-season or, you know, maybe in the autumn where or our autumn, obviously, um, you know, February. But obviously, I, I, don't, I just don't see how putting an international break on the back end of the start of the season and the closing of the transfer window does us any good. I think as well, just to add one point to that is, the different international organisations 
running their competitions at different times. So you've got the African Cup of Nations mm. that run later this year, I believe. So they've got to have their qualifiers and all that. So they've got to get those out of the road. So I guess to not upset the apple cart too much and pull players out, you know, the African players are out now and the European players are out next month and, you know, to appease the clubs that they're they're trying to tie them all into the same game week and the same um, same year. And that probably goes for, um, you know, the, the... South American teams as well, you know, with their travel and stuff. So yeah, it was um yeah it was interesting too because I'd I'd got wind that uh, Andre Onana had been called up by Cameroon after his big falling out in the World Cup, and I will tell you what, that's that's a blow for United because at the end of the day we thought we we're going to keep him in January, and now it looks like if he goes into international camp again, then we're going to lose him for the Afcon. Yeah, and, and I mean you've got. The guy's still there, isn't he? No, he's no. Um, backup. No, he's no, gone. He's, Who's their no. backup He's actually. Tra- I think he's training in the park, wearing uh, wearing basketball singlets these days. To hey, I, which yeah, don't know what he's they doing. Saw, yeah, they signed a goalie in the transfer window. Probably yep. um, the yeah. name escaped me, but he was a, a cheap goalie that they signed to back up Anana. Um, yeah, so we've got a, a signed a Turkish goalkeeper who is our first uh, Bayendir, and he's our first Turkish player that we've had. Um, however, but he's a, he played at Fenerbahce, and he's a, he was their number one. So I mean, obviously there's there's been some strategic thought behind it because you're not bringing in a decent backup without thinking that there is a potential that you could lose Anana for a period of time during the season. Hmm. And Ten Hag's always wanted three three keepers. All right, boys, that sounds uh, pretty good. Uh, international break, just uh, it looks like it's getting a bit of a thumbs down at the moment. Uh, it, yeah, well, it, we only just got started. I mean, obviously they've thrown a spanner in the works of the Toffees hot run they were on, so I'm not real happy about that. <laughs> and uh, But moving on, back to uh, speaking of uh, the Toffees hot run, and we'll just jump straight back into... Uh, the last round. You wouldn't believe it. Our um, Back to the Future episode. A couple of our tips were actually off, Gregor. Yeah, we're a bit we're yeah. a bit awry. Uh, a few transfers as well. So, yeah. can we be clear? Mohamed Salah and Luis Diaz still play for Liverpool. <laughs> but is this correct? Uh, this, this is this is correct. Despite the ludicrous amounts of money that uh, they still play for Liverpool. So, is it? And we can confirm, is Al Fuckham a real team in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> it's, well, it sounds real, so we'll go with that. <laughs> oh, very good. Happy days, happy days. So uh, just to duck back over to the um, um, matches that were played a, a fortnight back. So um, Arsenal and United played and, um, you know, that's first one off the rank. Sorry about that, Grego. And, uh, mm. uh, three... Don't brush over it, buddy. Don't no, brush over it. I won't it. brush over it, mate. Um, uh, the Arsenal Cozzy, 3-1. Yeah, so, um, well, well, what a game. I, I love, there's, and Grego will know this guy's name, no doubt. There's a, there's a podcaster or a streamer that does a live stream of watching the game. Um, he's a Manchester United guy, and I've watched this video a number of times about him calling the game and, you know, the pure excitement on his face when Manchester United got their, well, apparently their second goal, their offside goal, and he was jumping around. He was so happy. And then in the 90th minute when Arsenal scored, he was nearly 
he was nearly in tears. And then when we scored again, he was oh, distraught. And, and it's a video that I love, you know, for the listeners. I'll have to get out there and watch it. Gregor, do you know what his name is by any chance? Um, I, I'm assuming you're talking about Mark Goldbridge. That sounds right. Yeah. I yeah, I'm it's he's not my cup of tea. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, I do but him. I do sympathize with uh the you know the narrative that you've given there with the the wave of emotions because I felt that. Mm. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a pretty good game. Um you know, I think coming out of it the talking points around Arsenal playing pretty well, United struggling a little bit with the intensity um, and, and creating chances, uh, putting on a couple of 30-year-olds towards the end to shore up the defence and then letting in two mm-hmm. goals is, um, you know, a big talking point. Um, I think, you know, who was it? That Diego Dallo still, I think he's still sliding across the park there at the Emirates somewhere. <laughs> he hasn't stopped. He's a bit like Forrest Gump. He's just still going. <laughs> Well, he's, down the he, M, he's down the M1. He slid straight into London. the international break, mate. <laughs> oh, didn't, didn't the internet just deliver on that? Hey, there are some TikToks and some memes that, that he's just put himself on memes for years with that. Diego, they were like, wow. <laughs> My but favourite let, one was the, mu- the music. But let's to be the honest. But let's be honest, though. That, that was almost a perfect away performance for, for United, and it turned into a nightmare. Within a couple, well, of, within a couple of minutes, like I mean, fair play to Arsenal. Um, you know, they obviously won the match, but you know, the carry on afterwards, like seriously, just you know, all the commentary around Declan Rice, you know, paying back his transfer fee, <laughs> it was a fucking deflected yeah. shot. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Like, it's seriously. Ended. And apparently, all these Muppets walking around the Emirates all the way back to the tube station singing Rice, Rice, Baby. Like, oh, <laughs> give yourselves an uppercut. Honestly. Well, I think I, I, think I did make the comment in the pre season um, podcast that the proof would be in the pudding. The yeah, rice, the rice, rice pudding. pudding. Yeah. So uh, he's you delivering. Think, you know. I think. I, I think um, it's not just his goal, but his performance. He was very, very good. Old vanilla rice. So, <laughs> so the money, the money's starting to pay for itself. Well, so, what, what so, I, sorry, yeah, Bertie, you sorry, go. What I don't understand about that game is, is Manchester United are getting completely written off already. With like you said, Greg, it was almost a perfect away performance. They were a bee's dick away from winning the game, two-one. And that was with a, a very substandard defence that they had to bring on when they lost their two starting centre-backs. A 90-minute deflection and, and then the, well, the, the slide goal when it was pretty much cooked anyway. I mean, it wasn't that bad a performance against Arsenal at, at, at Arsenal's home ground. It, it, it's not all the doom and gloom that's made out to be. Yeah, it's, a, it's not three points. Um, I mean, I might as well jump into my headline of the week. So we... Um you know, so we can get over this Arsenal, Man United, bloody mountain that has been thrown our way. Um, you know, lines. I mean, we unfortunately, there's going to be a bit of a topic in today's, you know, podcast. It's obviously come up before, the uh, the use of lines and, and athletes. But the lines of the VAR, dead set. I mean, if you turned up to a Miami nightclub... 
and provided such thin lines that was provided on that TV screen. I mean, you'd get kicked out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, straight out. Dead yeah. set. Like, how thick are these lines that they're doing? Like, Garnacho, the, like, I don't know where they've come up with that. I mean, Cosy, what? Uh, yeah, technology, mate. What can I say? You know, if the line's the wrong colour, <laughs> you know, and, and we're talking about memes and things like that before, there's a lot of great Saliba memes about him leaning over and how he, you know, he's swift on his feet and he's got the moves like Jagger. Oh, uh, you know, and... And a, when, a red line's a red line, mate. Off and when they side. when they bought in the offside rule, I mean, that was really the fabric of it, wasn't it? That was what they were thinking about. They were thinking about how can we best make defenders swivel their hips like Patrick Swayze in bloody dirty dancing to try and put a player offside. No, they weren't. They're talking about blokes planting themselves in the penalty box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the more and more, you know. I don't know whether you guys have heard Arsene Wenger talk about changing the Who? offside rule. Arsene Wenger, so oh, Arsenal ne- never former heard of coach, <laughs> never heard of him. Um, he talks about changing the offside rule to be the body. The you know your body's offside, so it's going to be it's going to give no doubt to the offside rule. As in, you know, if your body's offside. The whole of the entire body, you're offside. So, is so it, is I it, don't mind that. Remember, because at one stage it was the clear, there needed to be clear space, didn't it? It had to be, you had to have sort of, there had to be separation between the, the attacker and the defender. Is that true? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, I, I think there had to be, um, obviously this is pr- prior to technology, but there had to be, you know, clear space or or a distance between them. I mean, there yep. was one in we we lost the title in 2010 when Didier Drogba was about yeah you know, I think he was about 30 meters offside at <laughs> Old Trafford when he scored. And I mean, for those calamitous referee mistakes, you can understand you got VAR. But I think there was one. I mean, a season or two ago when Raheem Sterling dead said his toenail was offside. Mm. Like, and you're calling that offside, and I and I. I understand the technology is there to be used, and but oh man, geez, that's it, and it's what frustrates the shit out of us with the NRL is all this black and white sort of rulings and almost the you know the bees nest that it you know you you kick in the beehive and all the bees come popping out and all the different problems like you're not don't don't appear to be solving anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to raise more issues. Yeah, they're taking something way, way too hard. It shouldn't be a physics equation to figure out if a football player is offside. Like, it takes away from the spectacle of the game. It takes forever. I mean, players celebrate a goal these days, and the first thing they do is, is, is look around. Like, it's just taken away from the game. There's got to be a better way they can do it, Go more simplified. Well, think about, think about, um, and I'll say it for you, Berta, even though it's going to make me probably vomit in my mouth, Um Liverpool, 2005. I'm actually, no, I'm probably opening up a can of worms here because Jersey Dudek was about 40 metres off his line. But he saves that last penalty, regardless of, you know, whether he was off the line or not. He saves the last penalty and then you... We're talking the the miracle of Istanbul here, aren't we? You just said 2005 like it was a throwaway. I mean, can you please... (laughs) 
Um, okay, I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll relabel that. Uh, so remember back in 2005 when your goalkeeper was four metres off the line and um, cutting off the angles of some of the great AC Milan penalty takers, such as Andrea Perlo. Um, mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, you, you, everybody knows the scenes when Jersey Dudek's running around, you know like he's having somewhat of a seizure, throwing his hands in the air because he's just won the Champions League for Liverpool. Imagine stopping that and then going back and going, oh, just hold on a second, we've got to check if he comes off the line. Yep. Like that just completely takes away from the fabric of of the game of football, really, doesn't it? The most recent example I can think of that is um, Mackenzie Arnold for the Matildas, the yeah. one where she had to, uh, it was all, you know, hooray, hooray, and then wait, wait, stop, no, yep, let's have a look. And and we went back and, of course, she saved it again. But, uh, yeah, like, well, nothing takes away from 2005, Grego, Istanbul, <laughs> that one wonderful night. Still on DVD, by the way, if you ever want to watch it. I've got it here. DVD? Um, yeah. DVD, yeah, yeah. Is that a burn copy? <laughs> no, 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 no. Please, I don't deal with that rubbish. I need top quality. It's still in uh, outstanding 720p. Yeah, uh, that might be that'd be one of the, one of the only DVDs in your house that actually still works after you've had plenty more of them on autoplay. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> actually, oh. now talking about momentum. Now, and I'll, I'll bring it back to me so it doesn't, feel, it doesn't look like I'm just flicking mud around the room. Now, do United win the treble if VAR's around? Because when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer whips in the first, I believe, no, sorry, it was Sheringham who whipped in the first, Solskjaer got the second. The momentum that they would lose if you have to check for that for being offside between going and getting the ball and coming back to the halfway and quickly kicking off, I mean, do you have the same momentum or does it completely shift the way the match was played in that last couple of minutes of stoppage time? Yeah, that's a, that's a real that's a real ponder question, isn't it? You, how do you how do you judge momentum? How do you well that's a, that's you, a, that's what's not being yeah. considered within this whole VAR chat is you know. Basically, you've conceded a goal. Now you won all in a Champions League final, and then you know the the best thing you could hope for is for an additional thirty seconds to take a deep breath and talk to your teammates, rather than you know having the ball planted on the penalty spot and go, "Let's go again." Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe when FIFA go to a round table to talk about the international break and they can take the points that we've made on the sports attention tonight and discuss the VAR laws as well. Mm. Mm. Have you seen their roundtable before? FIFA's? Yeah. It's dead set something out of a sci-fi movie. Do yourself, do yourself, do yourself a favour and Google it. This is an actual roundtable we're talking about. Yeah, FIFA roundtable. Right. Google FIFA roundtable. And those, are, those listeners at home, Google it. It's dead set something okay. out of a sci-fi movie. Right. Well, I'm on to that right now. Yes. Uh, is there anything coming? Oh, there it is. The <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, moving on with the headlines, lads. 
And, uh, you know, we, 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 we got Cozzy having a chat earlier relishing in uh, Arsenal's win, which I think is a good thing. They've started the year well undefeated. Obviously, that's coming to an end this weekend. Um, but um, Berta. Berta is a happy chappy. That's my headline. You must have been happy with the result a couple of weeks ago, Berta. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty comprehensive. Like, speaking of starting centre-backs, like, there was a little bit of nerves going into that one with Joel Matip and Joe Gomez starting, but that was just pretty much a dominant performance from start to finish from Liverpool. The, the attacks working Darwin, even Darwin, I think, hit the post twice, could have had another double, but just his, I think Cosy mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that just the fact that he's just running straight lines up the middle of the park, and you got Salah and Diaz lines again, just, lines again. yeah, back on the back on the lines, <laughs> just running, <laughs> running off him. The the Sobersly, I mean, I I bag Fox Sports intensely, but he's he's looking like he could be one of the steals of the transfer window so far. Um, yeah, I heard, I heard a rumor about Sobersly, mate. Have you have you heard this one that he apparently he he's got small feet. He's got small feet. Yeah, they reckon he rocks a size eight. Does he? Well, yeah. What, apparently, okay, they reckon he he used to wear small boots intentionally because his dad told him that if he had small feet, <laughs> this is no lie. I'm not taking the piss. Yeah. If his his dad said if he had small feet, he's more likely to have better control over the football. So he, it's almost like you remember that you know those Chinese women from the fifth century who yeah. used to yeah. tie their feet in a fist. Well, his dad's like a former Hungarian coach or something. Is is yeah? Is so that right? Is it? Yeah. Suddenly, like he's, but he's like six foot, and he's got a size eight. Yeah. Oh well, mate, it seems to be working. Whatever size shoe that he that he wears, but um, yeah, very very happy with Liverpool. Also happy with my other prediction too. I, I noticed uh, I noticed Brighton snuck in a little three one victory over the uh, struggling Eddie Howe. Um, mm. So they're they're back to they're back to competing for well. You know, like I said, it's Man City, probably Arsenal, Brighton, and Liverpool. Certainties for the top four. Um, you know, yeah, we might have we might have yeah. got that prediction wrong. I think we had Newcastle winning seven nil. I yeah, yeah, I missed I mean, that one. It was a bit, yeah. <laughs> seven nil. Yeah, right. They we went for a Cosy goal test. <laughs> we're, we're off there. <laughs> Now, Cozzy, I've seen you tapping away ferociously there, mate. Have you got a, a hold of any uh, confirmation on Sobelsly's feet? Um, no, I was just thinking uh, while uh, while Berta was saying uh, talking, um, you know what they say about Liverpool players with small feet? Uh, what do they say, mate? Shit out. <laughs> I thought you were going to go and say, you know, just refer back to uh, the centre back and talk about another, like clash it in with Matip and only giving Matip. If you've seen no, that, no. if you've seen that meme going around, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, you, you mean to tell me that you were that silent for that long and that was the best joke you can come up with? <laughs> Actually, I won't. I'll, I'll share with you what I'm actually trying to do here at the moment. I'm just trying to log into my. I'm yeah. just trying to log into my fantasy account now. You, might, this might. I don't want you guys to get excited, but I can't actually log in at the moment, so I can't change my team or anything like that. So I was just trying to change my password, which is it's not cooperating with me. So I'll get it done by the weekend, though. So don't worry. 
That's okay. And mm-hmm. for all the listeners at home that are that might show an element of concern for Cozzy, don't don't fear because he has been known to you know have multiple accounts within tipping comps before. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Never uh, fear. You know he's got all the excuses. I mean, yeah, cost a clop. Hey, listen, whatever works. Cost hey. a clop. Uh, isn't isn't the new isn't isn't oh, the we new winger. Isn't the new winger um, Eric Eric Tenklop? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that was cool of the week. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, oh, he has my full backing, and I don't think he's making excuses. I mean, calling out players could he could he have probably given Sancho a bollock in behind closed doors? I'd say yes, but um, yeah, no, I think he's just calling it as he sees it. But uh, there's, a, I think there's a big difference between calling form and poor refereeing, and um, you know the the humidity or the moisture content of the grass. I think there's <laughs> there's big differences there. Yeah, well, yeah. That, uh, that brings me across to my um, headline of the week. Um, you'll notice on the run sheet for the listeners, uh, it is Gregson emerges from hiding after a tough weekend. Oh, yeah. So I think we've probably covered all the points. I think your uh, defence of your manager there is probably the latest one that you've had to come up with, you know, after going down so poorly uh, two weeks ago. Um, it, it, for the listeners out there, Gregson was nowhere to be found uh, for at least seven days. Um, <laughs> and I, apparently, I, actually, I've got to thank you guys. I, I've got to... Honestly, thank you guys. Um, I, I got so many calls for my, about my welfare last from last week's podcast. <laughs> when you told every, when you told everyone that uh, we Arsenal had sold Odegaard and that I'd gone into hiding or, or depression, I got so many well wishes. So thank you very much, boys. I've never felt so loved in the well, last week or so. Well, it's good to see that you've popped out. You're yeah. back on the podcast. A couple of days before Are You OK Day. So for all the listeners out there, get behind that this week. Are You OK Day on Thursday. Um, look, the listeners who are and they're dedicated, they're loyal, they listen intently and they would know that I was out Spending last week changing lives. Okay, I was out on camps changing lives. Okay, I was not Did in you say hiding. Lives or line. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> oh. Rightio. Speaking of the fantasy, though, Cosy mate, um, we'll have to go back to potty potty. You've got a value tip for the week, mate. What do you What do you got in the fantasy? Uh. Y- you don't often hear the word city and value thrown around, do you, Greg? Uh, I thought that they that was their motto, wasn't it? Because they <laughs> seem to get value out of everything and there's no paperwork. <laughs> uh, well, mate, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a bit of value in city. Um, so their next uh, couple of games, they've got um, Nottingham Forest, the Wolves and the Hammers in there flogging people for fun at the moment. So I reckon mm. there could be a little bit of... Uh, value in their forward line Julian uh, Alvarez I think um, Alvarez is it? I think, Alvarez, yeah. I think there could be a little bit of value there I think he's at 6.7 million at the moment yeah and um, I think they call him Julian Julio yep. yeah Probably not, but anyway, yeah. let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that. So, uh, yeah, I reckon uh, could be a little bit, bit of value there. I mean, I'm still holding off the champ at the moment in the t- in the fantasy, uh, in the fantasy. So, Bird has got my number, but mm. you know, my, my my word is still worth something for at least another week. Did you know he's? You know when his birthday is? 
Julian Alvarez. Oh, give it to me. I think it was in, it's in Hoon. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it might be in Hulai. <laughs> Are you yoking? Are you wary? So, yeah, a um, little bit of value there for City. And I just, uh, you know, was doing a little bit of research today. And really, I only picked that one because I wanted to see your reaction when I said value in City. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, you got exactly what you asked for there. Oh. Uh, Berta, you got a tip for us, mate, from the fantasy? Uh, the fantasy? I haven't really paid too much attention because I've just been waiting to see who gets injured from this massive break. Mm. But, um, like, I, uh, I, took a, I took a couple of hits last week um, with transfers. Um, one paid off, one didn't. But, um, yeah, just, just waiting to, to pull the trigger. I think there's value in Tottenham defenders at, at the moment. Not so much to keep clean sheets, but the fact that they're providing assists. Um, mm. Yeah, that's something I'll probably look at because half my back line's injured. So I'll, um, I'll have to be doing something about that. But yeah, Tottenham defenders for assists with Tottenham on a pretty easy run. I've got a good defender for you, mate, if you're looking to upgrade. Reese mm. James, get on him. Reese James is uh, not injured. No, he is. That's why I was hoping <laughs> yeah. you get on him. Right. I'm looking to go up at the ladder, mate. Oh. Yeah, right. Stop making so, transfers then, Greg. Well, yeah, well, yeah. well, for the listeners at home, I am I am just, you know, Spending really – I'm propping up the rest. So, Cosy, you don't get four transfers every week. Is that what you're saying? No, no, apparently not. No. I think Grego Grego's been referring to himself around the staff room as the Chelsky of <laughs> the, of the <laughs> fantasy Premier League. So just buying players willy nilly. Mate, you wait until I pull a couple of Barcelona levers, mate. <laughs> couple of lines yeah. of credit. So um I've got a headline of, of the week. Um Going back to the the Manchester United, uh, you know, Mason Greenwood, um, Jaden Sancho. Jatafe yeah. don't play in the Premier League, mate. You can't get fantasy points out of them. Um, and 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 Anthony, uh, is there a crisis culture at United? Um, look, we'll dance around it really carefully. Obviously, you know, the legal team. I mean, they're all looking at us right now as we speak. Um, I, I, yeah, as a fan, I, I'm, I don't like it. Obviously, I am concerned in terms of, I think the most recent one really concerns me. I think the Greenwood one has been, you know, there's, there's been criticism. There's been, you know, whether, um, you know, there's also been sort of, Oh, you could say criticism either way, whether it be the fact that he was he was shipped out on loan or the fact that um, yeah he wasn't given an opportunity to return to the squad. Um, regardless of that, I think he's at Getafe now. I think it's the best thing for him um, to be over there and and start afresh. Uh, what will happen in the future? Who knows? Um, I would assume he's obviously just on loan, so he's still contracted to United. Um, but this Anthony one, I I'll be interested. Uh, to see how it plays out. There's obviously some significant accusations been made. However, I mean, I feel as though it's a bit different. Like, we had the evidence thrown in our face, or we had the allegations, I won't say evidence, sorry, we had the allegations thrown in our face with Mason Greenwood because it was posted to social media. So I think there had to be an immediate response with that. However, 
when we get into this Anthony situation where both Brazil and United have stood him down, um, there's no there's no charges that have been laid. There's no there obviously is a police investigation into things, but we we start to dance that very very tight line of guilty until proven innocent, as opposed to letting the judicial process go through and allowing due process to to be undertaken. Because I, I think the concern there is obviously that, you know, let's... Anthony in his most recent interview on Brazilian TV, I believe, has said that it was a toxic relationship. But, I mean, there's two people who are part of that relationship. And the thought that an allegation coming from a toxic relationship could put someone's career on hold without any, you know due process, I, I think that that's something we should also just as be as much concerned about. I don't know whether that's come across in the right yeah. way, but that's the way I see it. When when you say, like, Mason Greenwood, there's, there's some fairly graphic evidence and audio, there's also been some fairly graphic images of the injuries sustained to the, to the alleged victim. So, I've... Yeah, whilst it's it's different, it's kind of very much in the same boat that they've come out with an allegation of abuse with with evidence and, and photographs and, and pictures to prove mm. physical physical harm. And I don't, I don't, which is I, you know, and and obviously time will time will will tell what the and the truth will come out over time. I believe, but you know, I feel as though there there is also an inherent value in. In just, you know, I know the allegations are so serious, but there's also that other side, and I, I don't want to, you know, I, yeah, I'm very, I'm very apprehensive about saying, but you know, you've got issues like Chet Evans, who was found guilty in trial, but then found not guilty on appeal and retrial. You know, this guy lost his career for he lost his he was in jail for years and he pled his innocence and then he was found not guilty eventually and you know the amount of crap he went through from Sheffield United fans saying that he should never be seen at the club again you know um, members saying take my name down off the stand if he if he comes back and then to f- then for him to be found innocent you know is you mm. we've got to be careful you know, Johnny Johnny Depp, like it ruined his career. What Amber heard the allegation she made, and apparently she shit in his bed. <laughs> like you know, where you've you've. That's why I, I'm I'm very yes. I I understand everything should be taken extremely serious when it comes to an allegation because there are so many people out there in society who are victims who just haven't got the courage to to stand up because they don't feel like they're being supported. And I think. You know, there. That's really one core part of it. But the other side too is, you know, let's not, you know, let's not dodge the elephant in the room. There are some toxic women out there that will make accusations against men to, you know, get at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to be to be um, watch this space, I guess. So he's he's he stood down, in my understanding now, from Manchester United. Is this a club decision or a voluntary decision? I believe it was a club and player decision, but it, I, I don't think it's been any. It's not been uh, suspended f- until further notice, such as the Greenwood saga. I believe it has been a. Uh, we will stand you down for this international period, whilst 
the Brazilian FA has stood him down from Brazil duty. We'll stand you down for the same period of time until we can get to the bottom of it. That's the way I hear it. I I'm, I can't confirm through sources whether that is actually the truth or not, or whether it is a longer suspension. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add to that, I think what you said, Gregor, you've said that really, really well. Like you've rounded it up. You've rounded up both sides really, really well. Um, just in the you know the little bit that I know about this Anthony situation is that it's not coming from one source. Like there's multiple sources that have come forward, and that, that's mm. probably the disturbing thing in this sort of case. That um, potentially, I, and once again, it, as you said, it could be vindictive people on the other side. But with three people coming forward about Anthony, it, it's um, it doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. No, and but also too the the you know and and if I'm being devil's advocate on the other side too is you know this is a young man with kids, you know we yeah. we've got to we've got to understand that as well. So yeah, who obviously who knows? Um, obviously, if they're you know if it does proceed to trial and the like, I I, I truly hope that if if he is guilty, is is you know given a, a a just punishment for for any guilt. But that would be, yeah. you know, straight away on the other side of it, just saying, oh, we can't quick to jump and we can't, you know, that. I think we we got into it a bit earlier in regards to Paul Kent um, and his allegations about this being people's jobs, you know, and also too like. You know, you're not going to go and tell the local bricklayer, mate, you've got to get off the job site because, you know, you've got an allegation out against you for, you know, whatever reason or, you know, a, an incident that occurred down the, the pub on the weekend. Like, you know, we've got to understand that, yes, it is professional sports there. They hold responsible, you know, positions and, and positions of, of high authority in terms of the eyes of of adoring fans, but it's also too, it's their job. And, you know, they, they do have a right to be treated just like, you know, any other person who's going about their profession. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, no, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. 100% right. Much like Cosy, I share the concern that there's multiple people coming forward. I mean, it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's something that we've got to be extremely careful about because there's, there's people that play both sides, but in, in lieu yeah. of the other game, it's concerning. And you would, you like I said, mate. Yeah, and and with any situation that whether it be, you know, Jimmy down the road, or you know, the greatest athlete to ever walk this earth. At the end of the day, if people are committing violent acts and domestic violence, or you know, that they they, sh- they need to be punished for it, and they need to be, you know, also rehabilitated into fa- in the way, you know, you treat others. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's the most important thing: the, the rehabilitation moving forward. Because after, at the end of the day, they are they are young men that um, human beings, mate. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that got deep. Yeah, that did get deep. <laughs> I was just about to bring out, uh, break out the kumbaya or something. Oh. Like, yeah. Or hold hands and I, was, I, I had a joke, but I don't think it was time appropriate. Like it seems like he clearly just wanted to miss the international break too, so he's put himself down. But um, were you going to go? Back, were you going to go back to my tip? What's wrong with my tip? <laughs> I don't want your tip. That's that's what I'm saying. Put, I think he's just put his tip in. <laughs> All right, fellas. We're going to have to tie a bow in it there, mate. Now, just to clear up, Potty, um, 
We are tying a bow in it. We don't want you to go and do tie bow or or anything like that. What we had last time, or a typo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, very good. Well, guys, thank you for joining us again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Potty, anything oh. final for our guest? Boys, loved having you again. Your expertise is one of a kind. The listeners love you. Thanks, boys, thank you. and. Thank you, and I'm uh, looking forward to the big clash on the weekend. Battle of the big guns, Gunners and the Toffees. I'll be Come on. <laughs> waiting to ch- chirp about it next week. <laughs> oh, mate, and oh, I, I mean, if only Everton could unleash the next Wayne Rooney. It would be <laughs> oh, <bloody. laughs> Take me back. Take me It'd back. It'd be absolutely special. And then we'll sign him for $30 million. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry, Cody. Like I said, you're going to have the nicest stadium in the championship it, it will be like top notch for the championship oh at least for a year <laughs> mm. oh. you, thank you fellas well thank you boys it's been a pleasure absolutely rightio potty should we get into the integrity report mate let's do it integrity Mate, it's time for all things integral. And that's what we love here at the Sports Detention. We like being integral. There's a lot of uh, a lot of integrity issues going around, mate. Mad Monday. Mad Monday. Never disappoints, does it? So, mate, it doesn't. It always lets the... So, someone always lets their guard down and does something silly. So, um, it's broken. Story in the last few days. The Cowboys, There's a there's a probe... And then we're all probe. Mm. Not sure what that means, but <laughs> you poke something you with poke a probe something. Uh, yeah. into um, the Cowboys, and it appears to be Valentine Holmes, their superstar centre, who uh, seems to have found himself in strife because uh, there has been a photo appear on social media. It appears to be of him, and it appears you- to have come from his account. Which, uh, yes, appears to be of him, appears to come from his account. And in that photo, the individual which appears to be him has a uh, small, clear plastic bag full of a white powder substance in their mouth. Sounds like a joke to me. It does, doesn't it, mate? (laughs) So, obviously... um, So is that... Yeah, I mean... It's got dumb written all over it. Yeah, yeah. So is it, you know, is – so nothing's come out so far about it other than, I, I mean, I've heard rumours that it was, oh, it was a joke. It was this sort of stuff. So there's nothing about the fact that it was probably meant to be a, a private message on Snapchat you'd that has been accidentally posted to the you, public. You'd have to imagine something like that's happened. But reports are coming out that the E um, – how should I put this? The uh, justification to the <laughs> allegation, um, which has taken place, uh, it has been that it was just a joke, as you said, Greg. Yeah. So the which I am imagining they're saying the powder substance inside the small plastic bag was in fact not illicit and was something else. <laughs> well, if they're going to speculate on the intelligence of people in society, can we speculate on what was in the bag? Of course we can. Of course we can. What What, does everyone... What are you going? 
What does everyone think was in the bag? What do you reckon, mate? Cocaine. Oh, I was going to say whiz fizz. (laughs) 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 Or washing powder. A bit of nappy Sam. A bit of nappy Sam. I don't know. I mean, yes, I know. It's it's the, the... Insulting of intelligence when it comes to this stuff. Obviously, he's he's made a mistake. Yeah, he's absolutely made a huge mistake. Um, he's not the first person to make that mistake. He won't be the last. Yeah, um, and he's not the first or the only NRL player who has had issues with said substance. Yeah, it's, it appears to pop up every off season. Yeah, so it, po- it popped up a few years ago with uh, photographs of, um, I think it was Cameron Munster and um, uh, Brendan Smith at the Storm, and there was something yeah. going on. Obviously, Reese Walsh was arrested. Yep, carrying in recent times as well. Like it's it's obviously an issue for you know young yep. athletes. Yeah, that are yeah party. Yeah, well, mm. and look, <laughs> obviously. Um, uh, proving what that um, powdery substance was inside that plastic bag is uh, probably going to be a challenge. But the fact that it is, um, like, it, let, let's say it is nappy scent, whiz fizz, <laughs> something like that, and your excuse is, oh, it was just a joke, yeah, the NRL's response surely has got to be, oh, that's not funny. Yeah. You're a role model. That's exactly You're somebody right, yeah. who is meant to be representing the game in a way that is you uh, this might not be any illicit substance. But everyone who sees that picture is going to think it is. Mm. And you could argue why didn't they have the same response when Kalen said that he was sick? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, like Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, um, furthermore to that, um, the white substance, the whole idea around, you know, Valentine posting to social media, I mean, it, it's just dumb. Like, clubs must pull their hair out about this. You know, yeah. put your phones away on Mad Monday. Go and enjoy, let your hair down in, you know, whichever legal way we can encourage you to do it. Yeah. And we can educate you to do it. But far out, put your phones down. Like, you know, I think the only thing to confirm what it is is if he shaves his head like Ben Cousins did. (laughs) So they can't do his hair follicle test or whatever. But, yeah, it's just – it's so dumb. I'd be be infuriated if I was a Cowboys fan because they've played shit this year. They've underwhelmed. And then, you know, someone who's meant to be one of your leading lights and your top earners – Yeah. Is then posting, you know, a social media image with a bag hanging out of his mouth, and what looked to be actually, look, I'll give it. It looked to be a, a delicious mix of so, mix of spirit drink that he was drinking. I don't know what it is. If guava, somebody could, guava, <laughs> oh, it was a guava, was it? Yeah. If somebody could uh, enlighten us, uh, if we are wrong on that one, but oh, geez, I think that was the first thing I saw. I was like, oh, gee, what's that pink drink he's got? So regarding integrity, mate, it seems to be the issue that's rearing its ugly head at this time of year Mm. every year in the NRL. I mean, you'd have to go back many a season to find an off-season where something like this didn't come up around this time of year, wouldn't you? And, you know, you do feel a little bit insulted as a fan and you do feel a little bit... Mm. um, It's just... There is no way, shape or form... 
taking that photo and was a good move. Like it was just no. Come on, no. And and it and like I said, it's not the first time. Um, it did get me thinking this story about Snapchat and how things can get pear shaped pretty quickly. Um, you know, obviously, um, Draymond Green, NBA superstar, over in the Olympics when he, um, you know, he shared an accidental dick pic. You know, he obviously wanted to send a private message and he unfortunately posted to the world this absolutely ungodly purple mess that was his own penis. Yeah. Um, I mean, how how are athletes not learning from each other on this? Yeah. You know, another example, Arizona Cardinals pitcher Carlos Martinez. He unfortunately, and it's not just the pictures, he unfortunately had his intentions shared with the world when he continuously liked porn tweets on an account. So when you're on Twitter, it gives you (laughs) Carlos Martinez like this. And so all these fans were getting pornography that was coming up on their message feed and it was saying that he liked it. (laughs) So (laughs) it was suggesting it to all these fans. (laughs) (laughs) Let's... (laughs) Like, this is outrageous. Stop it. This is like, you you know, your old 60-year-old uncle posting things. Lance Armstrong sharing his mobile number with the world (laughs) because he didn't do it in a DM. Have you seen that one? (laughs) Call me on my cell phone. I mean, obviously, Manti Teo, that was a good one. Obviously, I I mean, it was a sad story, but the fact that he was catfished. Yeah. Um, but I mean, going back to, and even the Penrith social media team over the weekend getting hammered for you know the up the pars team, <laughs> like, like it was really, you know. So oh. there's a lot to be desired. Yeah, social media is a is a fantastic tool for athletes, sports organisations to communicate with fans. It's a real, it is a it is an awesome realm that we enjoy. Yep. But you got to get it right. Got to get it right, guys. Yeah. And some of you appear not even to be trying. <laughs> no, that's true. All right, mate. I've got so, another. I've got another piece of interview. I know you do, mate. We want to hear about it. Yeah. Look, um, Shane Hayne. Yep. You remember the great Shane Hayne? Yeah, referee. Yeah, he hasn't been running around on field for a while now. No. Um, Shane Hayne's been dogging the boys. <laughs> What's he done, <laughs> mate? I couldn't believe this when this article came out, but I was like, you know. The referees have been getting a fair bit of heat lately, um, just in terms of decisions being, you know, incorrect or, you know, there's been a lot of controversy around the quality of refereeing, you know, which there is a lot of the time. I think, you know, majority of the time I would be honest in saying I think it is unfair because humans make mistakes. But, um, look, this is more than a mistake. So apparently Shane Hayne was up in the video ref box uh, it was Manly versus the Bulldogs, the match, uh, a few weeks ago. And he has kicked out one of the officials of the ref crew who is designed. So he was the um, he was the assistant ref or the reserve ref who's designed, whose position, if they're not required in the match, is to sit in the box and actually take statistics of the officials to report back. And actually it's a obviously a professional development thing. Yeah. Shane Hayne has kicked him out of the box so his wife could come into the box. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. What is going on? Like, how, who thinks that that is, number one, okay, and number two, like, why? Yeah. Why? 
Like, is is your wife so desperate for a cucumber sandwich <laughs> that she needs to sit in the box, whereas she could just sit on the grandstand and have a hot dog and a pie with the rest of the punters? Oh, it's mate. just like when you think about the shit show that's going on with refereeing, and you know they're under the microscope like no other. For this to come out, it is atrocious. Like. Yeah. So apparently the reserve referee, who is unnamed, um, was required to sit on the sideline and actually do his statistics. <laughs> so, so Hayne, Shane Hayne was up in the bleachers with his wife having a nice romantic occasion in the video refs box while the actual professional was forced to go down and try and do his job on the sideline. Yep, fantastic. Um, yep, Shane, swing and a miss, mate. Who wears the pants in that relationship, body? Well, I hope you had a good night. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, it's unreal. And it it obviously, yeah, it was a bit of a pile-on. You know, Ricky's obviously blown up in recent weeks about it. Uh, I think it was obviously St. George's, uh, St. George Illawarra, my apologies there. Um, Interim coach Ryan Carr was filthy after the round 23 decisions uh, that cost his side as well. So, you know, on the back of that, when you're hearing things like, oh, that basically move a professional out of a box so my wife can sit in here, like how how do these referees get by? Like it, it almost when you when you feel as though as a fan that the referees at times think they're bigger than the game. Yeah. And then you get stories like this, it fucking shit you. Well, it does because, uh, as you say, as a fan, uh, like, has your, has your team ever got the rub of the green with the refs? No. No. Definitely not. Out to get out to get the mighty heels, the refs, for some reason. I don't know why, but that's what it feels like. Mm. Even though when you sit back, clearly it's not. But you hear a story about this and you're like, well, you are just up yourselves and you beat to your own drum yeah. and you are out for my team. Yeah. But it's also too, I mean, I'm on the other side of the fence because people think the referees are with my team because they've won premierships. Yeah. So that's, it's on, it's almost, it's either yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that as well. We <laughs> get all the calls. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, but anyway, Shane Hayne, give yourself an uppercut, mate. <laughs> mate, you, you are. You knob. Come like, on, honestly. Mate. Honestly. Yep, I don't think you should be back in there anymore. And Shane Hayne's wife, let your man go to work and earn some bread and give him some space, would you? Yeah. Like, far out. If I'm trying to teach a lesson and my wife walked in the room and said, oh, do you mind if I sit on? I'd be just like, well, no. <laughs> All right, mate. Um, two very, very uh, different and uh, yet equally important important issues. <laughs> I think so. Lacking integrity. <laughs> uh, but, mate, you know what it's time for now, don't you? All sports, mate. Let's do it. Mate, the world of sport is a light this week. We actually had a couple of quiet weeks going there mm. a few weeks back and we were sitting there going, no fights, no rugby, nothing to even have a chin wag about. We, were, we, we had to go to the AFL. 
<laughs> no, desperate we joke, fans. We desperate joke. times call for desperate measures. Uh, but, mate, this one is jam-packed, and I think it would be remiss of us not to jump into uh, the fight action. Yeah, we'll start with the fights, mate. It was a massive card. Uh, oh, I mean, I'll say it was a massive card because it was in Sydney. Yeah. Um, other than that, it was obviously wasn't, you know one of the, the most loaded pay-per-views that we could have had. Um, however, it was a great card. Yep. Um, I was um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with a, a fair few of the fights on, on the card. Um, but no bigger than the boil over in the main event. Talk obviously. to me about this, mate. Talk to me about this. You didn't see it coming? I, I didn't see it coming. I don't think many would have seen it coming. But um, the, the, the backstory of this fight getting set up is just pretty much just as interesting as the upset itself. So um, Israel Adesanya, obviously at the end of um, his last fight, he fought on the same card as Drikas Duplessis. Um, They'd obviously had back and forwards and um, no, they weren't on the same. Remember Izzy came into the, into the octagon. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, My apologies about that. Um, However, and then it turned into that, uh, that, outrageous back and forth which made no sense and they were all a gibbering mess and they were talking about, you know, getting ancestry tests and all this sort of stuff. It was (laughs) rubbish. But anyway, after that, the fight was set. It was basically going to be Drikas versus Israel and there was that which would have been a massive fight. Um, Drikas couldn't make this card. Um, The UFC obviously wanted Israel for this card, um, being one in Sydney. You know, Israel has got quite a draw in Australia um, with his close links being from New Zealand. However, they run out of options, really. Mm. They were trying to book other things and then basically four weeks out they went, well, heck, we we got to go with it. Um, and Izzy sort of said the whole time he'd be willing to fight Sean Strickland. Um, now, Sean Strickland is a very outspoken fighter. Um, I spoke about this even on our um, Back to the Future podcast. Yeah. Um, He's got. He's said some pretty crazy stuff in the past. Um, I don't think, and this is only being short, fair to Sean. Um, I don't think the UFC. It was in their. They were thinking it was in their best interest that he becomes champion. Yeah. They were pretty much guaranteed by Israel that I'm going to toast this guy and I'm going to get him out of there, and he's nothing to worry about. They were both wrong. They were both wrong. Because <laughs> he came out and he p- just walked forward and he was very technical um, and he did a great job and he won the fight. He yeah. easily won the fight four rounds. I, I, you know, I had those those four rounds. I think that was a very, very fair decision. Um, the first round, you know, people say, oh, it could have been a 10-8. He rocked him at the end and almost finished him. No, nah, there was too much of the round. I think it just solidified that he won that round 10-9. I, yep. don't, I don't think you could give a 10-8 for that. Um, however, in that portion at the end of the first round, I must give props to the referee. I believe it was Mark Goddard. Um, I could be wrong. However, the way he left Israel to fight out of that and Izzy sort of gave the thumbs up, I mean, you could have easily stopped it. Mm. But I think he made the right decision because Israel was getting through it and it didn't look – it probably looked worse than what it was appearing, you know, with Israel communicating with the referee. But I thought, you know, that was a great call from the referee to let it go because we ended up getting a five-round fight out of it and it was a really, really good five-round fight. Um, yeah, but however – so I, I think, you know, we're very quick to criticise referees but take our hat off to the decision-making there. But, um, yeah, Strickland – 
did the job. Um, it was it was a performance of a lifetime for him. Um, yeah, and and Izzy suffers his second defeat at middleweight, um, his second title loss. Uh, I don't know where they go from here, whether they give Strickland another fight, someone different, and then let Izzy have some time off and come back and challenge. Um, that would probably be my bet. But, um, yeah, new champion and a very outspoken champion. Yep. So, uh, yeah, interesting times for the middleweight division in the UFC. Um, the other fight, obviously, tied to Ivasa, Australia's own. He was... Um, Beaten by Alexander Volkov. Um, yeah, disappointing for Ty. He um, he was landing some really, really good low leg kicks. Um, he was really hurting Volkov with it. Um, and then Volkov just, you know, he's a, he's a crafty guy. He just switched. And as Ty threw the leg kick, he just got, uh, you know, caught the leg kick with it and then slight ankle pick, got it to the ground. And then, you know, his, his grappling was superior. So he looked dangerous when he was putting quick, fast combinations together with his distance, Volkov. Yeah. Um, Ty always looks dangerous. But, um, yeah, I think Volkov, once he, he, he got it to the ground and he started working the position, um, he was just too big in that grappling exchange and he controlled that position and won that one. So um, a really good fight for, for anybody who, you know, enjoys a good throwdown with his uh, Manel Cap. Uh, is it Cape or Carpe um, versus Philippe Dos Santos? Um, I mean, those boys went at it. It was fun as anything to watch. Um, and a couple of knockouts to start the card with Justin Taffer and Tyson Pedro both getting early knockouts, uh, which was very, very good for the fans uh, and obviously our, our Aussie fighters as well. Mm. But, yeah, so a pretty impressive uh, pretty impressive. Main card, Carlos Ulberg and Jamin Malaki were other fellas from down here to get a good win, which was nice as well. So, um, yeah, but it, it was a good card. I think the the main card starting off with two massive knockouts was um, was a highlight for the fans and then some, uh, yeah, some really good technical fights to finish the card. So, you know, for those who invested, it was well worth the cash. Yeah. Mm. Good fights, mate. Good fights. Good fights. Um, where to now, mate? Um, I yeah, like I said, I, I I would like to see Strickland get a another fight, possibly before Izzy. I don't I don't think it's really. I think the fight was so heavily weighted in Strickland's favour. He looked comfortable out there that you you know it's probably going to lean you against doing a rematch. Um, if I was putting my promoter's hat on too, I would look at Ty Tuivasa and his fight with Volkov. Um, you know, Ty's a fan favourite. They love him. You know, he does the shoeys. He's, you know, a real character. It's time, you know, the UFC is not going to cut him because he's such a character. He's an excitement machine. They're, you know, let's let's give him a couple of couple of lighter ones now you know yeah. Volkov's at the top of the spear you know he's fought Cyril Garn you know real top fighters in his last few he's got a couple of losses in a row now let's give him a couple more of those up-and-coming fighters or those you know edge of the rankings fighters let's give him some you know let's get some shoeys going again yeah you know and then before we look further up the uh up the charts because regardless he's going to come out and he's going to fight and he's going to be fun Yep. And, you know, you're paying him good money. You might as well get the entertainment out of him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's, that was it from the fights, mate. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was a great, um, yeah, great card in the end. So, yeah, 
I was pretty pleased. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get it out, get the replays, go and check them out. There's some, there's some pretty hefty knockouts there. Mm. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Mate, should we uh, jump into, uh, I mean, the AFL? It's finals time. Yeah. They kicked off. So uh, the Swans have been eliminated by Carlton, 74 to 68. Mm. So they're gone now. Brisbane straight through to a prelim. Big weekend in Brisbane coming up in a fortnight, mate. They're both the Lions and uh, the Broncos are hosting uh, prelims. So that's going to be big for the city. Uh, They beat uh, Port Adelaide in a bit of a hiding, 123 to 75. Uh, The Saints, they're gone. Uh, gave their fans a little bit of a taste of what could be and then fell away. Mm. So uh, they went uh, 101 to 77 to GWS and the Pies, they got it by seven points over the Ds. Mm. So they go through to a um, prelim as well. Okay. So, um, yep, yeah, it's do or die from here on out. And uh, the Pies and the Lions are obviously looking the best at the moment. You'd have to think that there's a decent chance that they're going to match up in the final. Don't know. Don't, don't, don't know if you can see an upset, maybe a GWS flying their way through. But And it was interesting to see that uh, sports attention favourite Cozzy was wearing his Collingwood get-up today, not his Canberra Raiders one. Yeah, I, I just assumed it was West Magpie gear again, but, you know. <laughs> Victor Lawnmowers. Victor Lawnmowers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he does love them, Cozzy. He does love them. He, he doesn't mind picking a big club, does he? Mm, no. No. Or a winner. Or a winner. Or a winner. Well, you know, maybe I could take a note from him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, mate, that was it for the AFL. But um, jumping in. The NFL, mate. The NFL. So, the NFL. What I thought we might do, mate, is go with a bit of a a game of the round. Yep. Uh, So, uh, the NFL kicked off last uh, Friday uh, over here in Australia for... um, with the uh, Chiefs taking on the Lions, and the Lions got the chocolates. So Detroit Lions, big win for them. Um, Heart stopper uh, to start the season. Uh, the Lions D gave the Chiefs offensive lines grief all day. Mm. Um, Paddy Mahone was under all sorts of pressure. Um, Jared Goff got the chocolates over um, Paddy Mahone's, I thought. Uh, did really well. Uh so, I guess um, some of the Lions fans, you know, they've they're long suffering, aren't they? And oh, they, yeah. um, you know, they might have gone off a little bit early. They're calling it a landmark win, Grego. <laughs> like it's gonna. <laughs> well, it is. Set them yeah, up they for are the season. Super Bowl champions. So yeah. I mean, you know, at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, but it's going to set them up for the season. So, yeah, you know, Paddy, Mah- Paddy Mahomes still did really well. He actually um, led the Chiefs rushing yard, so don't know that that's necessarily a good thing there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so I Especially think there was, when he's, um, yeah, his skill set's throwing the ball. That's right, mate. So I think um, that tells you everything you need to know, and uh, they've got a few issues they're going to have to sort out there. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I'm not sure what you're going to pick a game of the round, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be um, our Seahawks, mate, going no. down to the Rams. So that was a bit of a, a – uh, not not the start of the season we were after. No, I'm going to avoid that, mate. I'm just going to go – I'm going with the score that really drew me into this one was the Cowboys being the Giants. Like the Giants, you know, the, both New York teams were coming in with a flood of enthusiasm into this season, but the Giants have been flogged. 40 nil. 
Yeah. Like there's not very often that a team gets held to zip in the NFL. No, that is an unusual score, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the Cowboys, I mean, they're a bit like Arsenal when it comes to NFL and Premier League comparisons. Uh, the Cowboys fans will be chirping. They'll be thinking that there's another Super Bowl on their way after that one. Yeah. That's so, right. um, but yeah, I was uh, yeah I, I watched a, a bit of the highlights with that one. I mean, they were obviously all over them, um, like a fat kid on cake. But you know, at the end of the day, like forty nil first round. You know, the Giants had recruited really well in the draft. There was a lot of you know, it, much like the Jets, people expecting big things. Yeah, and yeah. and for them to walk out like that. Mm. And anyway. Yeah, you'd have to imagine where you go to week two because that's a fair bit to come back from. I'm not sure who they got, but yeah. Mm, yeah, but anyway, uh, good to have the NFL back. Good to have the NFL back, and obviously we'll we'll dig in a little deeper as the season goes on, and and the rugby league goes into uh, their acclimatising phase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we'll just be a bit thirsty for a bit more sport, mate. We're not going to be jumping into the fantasy uh, NFL because, um, yeah, that might mean uh, divorces all round. Yes, <laughs> the amount of time yes. you've got to spend on that. I, uh, a good mate of mine was a huge NFL uh, fantasy fan and uh, mm. he used to always say that, um, yeah, rough times at that, <laughs> that time of the year on the old relationship. <laughs> he was a spreadsheet man, so that'll yes, give you a bit well, of an idea. Yes, absolutely. Uh, anyway, mate, so, yeah, great to have it back. Uh, really good game in the Lions-Chiefs to, to open up the season. But, um, yeah, uh, obviously over the next couple of months we'll start to see the pretenders and contenders start to show themselves. Mm. Now the tennis, mate. US Open. Yeah, the tennis, mate. So uh, this morning, uh, the Joker, Novak Djokovic, has just come on and done what Novak does. And yep. he's uh, beaten Daniel uh, Daniel uh, Med- Medvedev. And he's beaten him in three sets. So, um, you know, the show just goes on with the Joker, uh, the Joker doesn't it? 37 mm. years old this year, I believe. And uh, he's won his 24th major, which brings him in line with uh, Margaret Court. So both of them equal on 24 now, and I just don't see how it's going to stop for him at the moment. He yeah. just he just seems that much better than everyone else. On the other side of the draw, Coco Goff, she took out the women's comp, her first major, so well done to Coco. Uh, she had some choice words. I don't know if you saw that, Grego, to share um, in the um, uh, her victory speech at the end. Did you catch that? No, I didn't, mate. Yeah, so basically she's um, uh, used the opportunity where she's uh, um, to basically, I guess you could say somewhat rub it in the faces of people who have been critical of her in the past. So she's yeah. basically said um, she's tried to carry herself with grace over the last month or so um, with people openly uh, speculating uh, that she was never going to win a major. She won a 500 series title about a month ago and people basically said, oh, that's going to be all she does. Then she won a 1,000 series title and she said, oh, yeah, but she's never going to win a major. And now she's, um, you know, basically people tried to, she finished by saying people tried to um, pour water on her fire, but it ended up just being gasoline and now look how bright she's burning. Mm. And, uh, you know, so – and essentially she said – the point that stood out to me, I tried to carry myself with grace right up until this moment yeah. where you have basically thrown it back at people. Uh, you know what? Fair play, I guess. Mm. You know, you've won the tournament, your time to speak, and um, if that's what's um, driven you towards that, 
well done to you. But um, yeah, as far as um, you know, carrying yourself with grace, it might be a bit of a swing in the miss. Yeah, yeah. And look, you don't have to watch reruns of Monday Night Raw from yeah. the mid nineties to know Coco. If you want to give it to people, you just give them the old DX socket. <laughs> win, a, win a major and then just suck it to the crowd. Yep. Uh, well done, Coco, though. I don't think that's the last time we're going to see you holding a major trophy. So, um, yep, just remember the sports detention, we always believed in you. Mm, absolutely. And if we didn't, it doesn't matter because we'd be fueling that fire. We would. We would. Uh, just a quick mention to the uh, cricket. Coming up, mate, the Cricket World Cup being yeah. held in India next month, so keep an eye out. That's that's the one-day internationals. Yep. So uh, I believe Mitch Marsh is taking the reins there as captain. I mm. think so anyway. I think he took over from Pat Cummins. Yeah. That may have been just the 2020. I might be just making up Brian Centre, mate. But, um, you might be actually making selections as we speak. I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, yeah, so – but speaking of World Cups, mate, the rugby is underway. Mm, yeah. Yes, um, I actually caught a bit of the um, Le Bleu versus uh, the All Blacks on the on the weekend. Yeah, so big upset to kick yeah. off the tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, and Australia got off, you know, we got off to a decent start with Georgia. I think Georgia's they're not the whipping boys they once were. No, they're not. You know, so they're they're a, they're a growing nation. So uh, it was a comfortable win, but a, a win we had to work for. Yep, um, which was great. Um, First win under Eddie Jones. Since he's returned? Is it? Is oh, it? Oh, it might be. I think it might yeah. be. Yeah. Oh, so that's not, not first win. He obviously, you know, yeah. bit of success last time yeah, he was in. He was okay. <laughs> yeah, last time um, he was in charge of the job. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll see how we go and hopefully there's a bit of momentum. I mean, I couldn't go past, um, you know, even the, the, uh, the first match, the opening match between France and New Zealand. Um, the anthem debacle, mate. Like, oh, yeah. You know, the, the decision of the school choir to sing the anthems was nothing short of, you said a swing and a miss, but I would say nothing short of a complete and utter letdown. Yeah. La which is the French national anthem, is an absolute ripper. Go and do yourselves yeah, a favour. Cracking. It's, it is an absolute call to arms yep. and when it is sung in full voice by a packed park the prawns like there is nothing better to watch and they love their anthem yeah now i'm going to give <laughs> the listeners a couple of bars from la marseillaise and i'm going to give you the english version and we've had a discussion earlier today about this yeah. about how shit our national anthem is Advanced Straight Fair. And this is why. So this is an English translation that I am uh, going to run through here. Are so you going to sing it for us? I won't sing it, no. <laughs> uh, let's go, children of the fatherland. The glory day, uh, the day of glory has arrived. Against us tyrannies, bloody flag is raised. And that is repeated. In the countryside, do you hear the roaring of these fierce soldiers? They come right to our arms, to slit the throats of our sons, our friends. And then the big chorus comes in. Grab your weapons, citizens. Form your battalions. Let's, let us march, or march on. 
Marshall, Marshall. May impure blood water our fields. <laughs> <laughs> if you compare that <laughs> to our land is girt by sea, <laughs> you can understand what the aim of a national anthem is to do. It is a rallying cry. Yeah. I've seen it so many times when I've been at sporting events in the US is, you know, the Star Spangled Banner. They absolutely froth over it. Love it, don't they? And, you know, when you look at the the poem that is the formation of the Star Spangled Banner song, you know, it, about the Battle of Baltimore and, you know, when they talk about the rocket's red glare gave proof through the air, I gave, and the bombs bursting everywhere gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Yeah. You know, like that just lifts the roof off a stadium. You know, the oppression and the rising from that oppression. Like it, it is, you'll go down a rabbit hole when you start to look at national anthems. And I remember being a young fella and there was a suggestion there a while ago where they wanted to make waltzing Matilda oh. our national anthem. <laughs> and... Do some research, guys, because that is that makes me sick. Yeah, <laughs> some drunk bloke, yeah, laying by a swamp yeah. with his swag, and you compare that to what other countries are delivering, give yourselves an uppercut. Yeah, <laughs> you might want to look into what the what Walter Matilda is actually about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so. Going back and bringing this full circle, the fact that the school choir was singing that and it didn't quite hit, mm. well, let's not do that again, guys. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was the start. But, I mean, let's just say the um, the French team, they didn't play rugby like the school choir. No. Um, look, I was really impressed. Um, speaking, and, you know, I'll be the first one to say that rugby league's my, my jam. You know, um, but they just the expansive rugby that was played by both the All Blacks and the French was just such a joy to watch. Yeah. You know, the first try scored was a, a good old-fashioned NRL cross kick. And yeah. we remember Eddie Jones was the last person to bring that into the Wallabies when yeah. Lottie Takiri, you know, when he had Sailor and Takiri on the wings, they brought those rugby league tactics in. And, you know, to see other sides doing it and playing that expansive rugby Jeez, it's been a long time since I've ever seen that happen in a gold jersey. Well, as you said, rugby league, that's our bread and butter. We love it. But it's only a good thing for rugby if they're bringing that more exciting brand of, of um, uh, rugby for the fans. You're going to engage more eyes. Yeah. You're going to engage more dollars. And the problem is at the moment that it appears as though the other nations are doing that mm. and we're falling behind. Yep. I agree, mate. I agree. So, um, yeah, but all you can do is win, and they got off to a good win. Mm, and we'll uh, Australia's draw and their pool that they've landed in, as far as the World Cup is concerned, is better than is about as good as they could have hoped. Yeah, couple more wins, little bit of momentum. They find themselves in a quarter final, probably against England. Winnable. Could yep. find their way to a semi-final, mate. And once you're in a semi-final... It's anyone's game. Anyone's game. Yeah. Am I predicting that they're going to win the World Cup? Yes. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, just I was actually more taken aback by the fact that you were able to somehow weasel another discussion on a draw in there, okay? 
<laughs> but anyway, he's uh, on one. He's on one. Ah, uh, oh. Maltese, mate. Mate, speaking of not being able to pick a nose, uh, mate, I, I thought I was on fire last week. I tipped the Broncos to end their um, wretched run against Melbourne. Got it. Picked Reese Walsh to get over the, the chalk. Yeah. Nailed it. Too easy. Then I went Herbie. And yeah, he Herbie's going to score. <laughs> he missed out, mate. Yeah. He missed out. Two from three, but the, um, and as the... Um, Good people of the betting companies always do. They pay out for two on three. Two out of three? Mm. No. No. <laughs> Why? Because well, you didn't win. I'm pretty sure I've said on this podcast before that I'm never betting on the fights again. Yeah, you have, mate. Yeah, so on the weekend I bet on the fights. Of course you did, yep. Um, one out of three. Um, <laughs> I had both. I tied to Ivasa was my upset, yeah. and he was paying a couple of bucks. Um, but then I had, obviously, Israel um, and Manol Carpe. Um yeah, so I was. I thought I was pretty good with with Izzy and and Carpe, but yeah, no, Mister. I got Manel. Didn't get Izzy. Lost tie. No good. One from three. One from three. Kill me again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, we're not going real well on the pun at the moment. No, but we'll give it another go. Absolutely. Keep an ear out for it. Do yourselves a favour. Enjoy it. Laugh at us. Probably don't follow us. <laughs> yeah. Um, happy days. Should we get into the main event though, mate? The main event, mate. Let's do it. Who is your penis of the week, mate? Well, mate, we touched on the tennis and we talked about um, the wonderful achievements. Coco Goff winning her first major. Novak Djokovic equaling the record set by Margaret Court. 24 majors. I mean, will it ever be uh, equaled again? I have my doubts. Very, very impressive. Do you know what didn't impress me about the US Open this year, mate? What's that, mate? The protesters. Ah, there have been these guys at it again. There have they? been some protesters there. Climate change, mate. They're not happy with it, and so they have caused uh, an issue during uh, the semi-final where they've stood up, wouldn't sit down. So obviously they've caught the yeah. attention of the umpires. They've caught the attention of security who've come and tried to remove them. They've made it known what they're there for: shirts, what they've got on, what they're advertising. One of them has taken it a step further, though, Gregor. They have got out the super glue and glued their feet, oh. their feet to the floor. They have glued their feet to the floor. Yeah. So obviously, this has taken a fairly significant amount of time to because they've tried to dislodge. Is that the right word? <laughs> dislodge. Yeah. Uh, uh, they've called. They all the, had spatulas out. Yeah, they've, they've called in the <laughs> medics to try and get their feet off the ground. Oh, Am I wow. too cruel in saying they should have just ripped them out of there? <laughs> no, no. I, if it I hurt a bit, bad fair. luck. Um, I think that's fair. Um, it does remind me uh, of a story. Was it uh, the Porsche factory or? A uh, car factory that there was a car factory in Europe um, where protesters who were obviously protesting climate change are yep. uh, Volkswagen. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Beat up. So this is the river. So they've got they've gone in there. I believe that they were they glued themselves to the floor, and then. The instruction that was given by the Volkswagen hierarchy was, let's just close the factory down for the day. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they've all glued themselves to the floor. They've shut the factory down. So they were all stuck to the floor and they couldn't go anywhere and there was nobody in sight. So they've all had to shit themselves and, <laughs> and had nothing to eat because they thought that they would be pandered to. I mean, how good is that? I mean, if that is – I believe that is the the story, but um, – yes. It is now, even if it's yeah, not. I – yeah. Oh, so, so, yeah, protesters, they had my penis of the week, mate. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's uh, that's only fair enough. What about you, mate? What do you got? Uh, mate, I've, I've got quite a list. I've, I'm just going to go and play <laughs> it down the list, mate. The My Penis of the Week is American basketball fans. It's Valentine Holmes. My penis of the week is Shane Hayne. <laughs> and my penis of the week, of course, is I'm going to – not the school choir, the people who organise the <laughs> yes, school choir. On, we're not having a go at the, the choir. Come on, you penises, dead yeah. set. Uh, oh. Mate, the list just went on. Mm. And my penis to- of the week also too is VAR. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just to get back at you, Cozzy, for the, the grief you've given me. Chuck in the protesters as well, mate. Oh, yeah, they're in there. They're, they're, my, they're my penis <laughs> are of forever. Are they the standing penis? They are the standing. They are the reigning defending. <laughs> <coughs> All right, mate. Rightio, it's mate. Great. It's been great to be back after yeah, our has. week up. Our sabbatical. Our sabbatical. Yes. Um, yeah, so good things coming, mate. We'll keep chugging along uh, and we'll keep, we'll keep going. So, um, yeah, anything else final to no. wrap us up, mate? No, mate. Um, it's been great being back, and thanks, listeners. Thank you. And, of course, to any of our listeners down in Jerringong, home of the Lions, we say goodnight. And farewell. <laughs>